Welcome to The Long Take Review, a film podcast with one eye always on the Oscar race. I'm your host, Jen Subchakshay Bankard, and I'm here with two friends who apparently subscribe to Netflix. First, he's going to stick to the plan. It's P.T. McNiff. How's it going, P.T.? The kids, they're cute, but they're not quite sexy enough. Uh, I'm good, Jen. How are you? Uh, a, a little worse now that that's what you led with. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> really, I really hope people stick around so that's it, that gets put in context later. And he doesn't think we have enough hot dogs. It's Antonio Elefano. How's it going, Antonio? Peace is sitting on a lake in the summertime. Peace is a Coca-Cola on a hot summer day. Peace is being with you. The assignment was, what is peace? I'm great. I'm amazing. <laughs> oh, that was great. It really is that last part that that kicks it into a whole other gear where she feels amazing. the need to say what the assignment is. It's amazing. It's so funny. <laughs> so if you're wondering what we're talking about, uh, you know, the question of the day of the day is what happens when a hired assassin, a long distance swimmer, and an action actress researching her next role walk into a bar? We're going to try to answer that question because we're going to be reviewing three, not one, but three films now available to stream on Netflix. So the first is David Fincher's The Killer. The second is Nyad, uh, which is directed by Chai Vassarelli, I think is actually how you pronounce it. I did look it up. Uh, and Jimmy Chin. And so if you recognize their names, they're actually more known for the documentaries uh, such as Free Solo, which they won an Oscar for uh, that, the year that it came out, I believe. And uh, the most recent release we're going to talk about is Todd Haynes's May December, um, which PT and and Antonio both chose their opening quotes from. <laughs> so <laughs> that gives you a flavor at all. You know what you're in for. Or maybe you don't. If you are listening to us for the first time, we will have a spoiler free section designed for those who have not yet seen these films. And with a very clear warning, you could say as dramatic as a musical refrain from one of these films, we will shift into spoiler mode for the rest of the show. Uh, and we are going to lump them all together. So once we do spoiler mode, it'll be like a free for all with all three movies. Um, so just just so you know, we didn't I, I felt like it would just be too constraining because we wouldn't be able to like, kind of talk to them about them together if we wanted to in spoiler mode, if we segmented it. PT, if folks want to know where they can hear more, if they like what that what we're talking about today, what can they do? Yeah, if you've looked past the my introductory quote and you want to keep listening to us, uh, you can follow the Long Take Review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, the feed is hosted on Jen's Substack, thelongtake.substack.com. But you can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your uh, wherever you get your your content. Uh, and you can also uh, check us out on Instagram and Threads at the Long Take Review for updates on new episodes. Thanks, PT. We are just about ready to get into our Netflix aganza, but first we need to do a quick movie news update. Just in off the wire, it's your Hollywood news. I can't tell if that's weirder because Greg's not here. It might be. Uh, I mean, but it's also it's also great because Antonio, I don't think, had heard it live before. Oh, that's or true, because you're, you're on social media, so you wouldn't have even seen me po post that <laughs> when I made it originally. Um, thanks, Greg, for letting your voice to move our movie news bumper. Yes. So I had a bunch of news things in here, but I see someone else very correctly uh, updated it and in our Google Doc. SAG-AFTRA, it's official. 
we we pretty much knew that the strike was over, but now it is official. The contract has been approved, ratified, I think is the official word, correct? Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, 78 plus percent voted uh, to in favor of it. I think the 20, 20 21, 21 and then two thirds uh, percent were, there was that pushback about some of the AI clauses they thought were maybe not going far enough. But uh, the majority, the vast majority uh, agreed that this was the, the right deal for now and uh, it's ratified and the, 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 when the strike had ended, but now the sort of the labor dispute is over, uh, contracts are in place and uh, everything is, is back up and running, which is great for us uh, consumers of content, but also great for the people who work in these unions that they're getting paid more and getting more compensation that they deserve. Absolutely. Uh, we also have a little bit of awards news. So, you know, we're in awards season. Awards are going to be nominated and given out left and right between now and when the Oscars are in the spring. So the National Board of Review actually gave out their awards. Uh, it was quite a big list. And then I think Indie Spirits Awards gave out their nominations or released their nominations. So anyone have any thoughts about, you know, what's, what surprised you or what trends kind of stood out from either of these awards bodies and like in terms of pro projecting for the Oscar race or changing the Oscar race? I mean, I think what's most surprising is that there's not that many surprises actually, right? Like it's a lot of the same um, titles and people, Killers of the Flower Moon taking best picture, just like they did at the, at New York, in New York. Um, you know, I love the holdovers love and, um, and, you know, past lives getting a little something and same thing for anatomy of a fall, getting another award. So um, so all of this is really great. Um, I, I also find fascinating like the lists, right? Like the, the law, the, the 10, the list of like the top 10 movies, because those inevitably have things that I haven't seen or, and that weren't on my radar. So, um, you know, I don't know. I just assumed Ferrari was going to be bad. <laughs> um, and now I, now I have to grapple with maybe it being good and maybe needing to go see it. So uh, I don't know if I go that far. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I can't say, but based yeah. on what I've heard about it, it might be, this is a, we really like scenes with cars. Um, Cause that's <laughs> yeah. the thing I have heard is that the, the sort of execution of the car races is amazing, but that the actual like story-wise that the movie maybe doesn't hold together as well. So, yeah, so it might, good. it might be that people are just like really pushing it for that. And apparently everyone loves Penelope Cruz in it. So it could just be that. Well, that's not like, surprising. That part's not surprising. To over. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oscar darling, Penelope Cruz. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. And I'm, I'm sure Adam Driver is also a, a a positive for a lot of people who watch it. Yeah, the the thing that really stood out to me is how strong the field is. Because, again, Ferrari was sort of like, oh, okay, we're going with Ferrari. But otherwise, it was just like you look at the list and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. This all sort of uh, checks out. Again, the Iron Claw is one that has been kind of bubbling. And you're like, oh, I wouldn't necessarily have predicted it, but I wasn't surprised to see it there. But then at, you take a beat and you're like, oh, well, American Fiction's not on this list. The Color yeah. Purple's not on this list. Mm -hmm. like, there are other movies that are presumed front run, not front runners, but presumed, you know, viable candidates for yeah. best, you know, one of the 10 best picture slots and other awards. So, you know, it pretty strong year that there's no sort of, maybe it's because there's no like villain yet, or there's no sort of scramble to fill all these, all these places. Um, but yeah, I mean, I liked I liked the Killers of the Flower Moon uh, love from the critics uh, as well. Uh, I also liked looking down at the independent films. We had our our fave theater camp 
yeah. show up uh, yes. on the on the NBR list, as well as a thousand and one, which is a great little small movie that kind of came and went. Uh, that was a Sundance movie. And that, I think uh, Noah Galvin got an Indie Spirit nom. I think his name popped up somewhere when I, think I was looking. At that's movies. right. So I was really pleasantly surprised by that. Yes. I'm like, oh, they. Best really supporting performance for an indie spirit award because they have removed the gender distinctions, um, which is uh, good. I think I think that's good. Uh, even though um, there's there's part of me that's like, but the the history, the the trajectory of time, uh, where for best actor and, and supporting actor versus actress and, and supporting actress, but in the in a societal sense, probably good to just put them all together and not worry about uh, the, the gender distinctions. Yeah, I think listening to the buzz from critics, it seems like Killers of the Flower Moon stock up in general because people were sort of talking about how maybe that was, you know, is this going to go the way of the Irishman? And now I feel like people aren't as ready to say that. Granted, we yeah, have yeah. like the series of awards bodies we've heard from so far are do skew, you know, like NBR I looked up is actually New York based, even though it's national. Yeah. Um, so so that there could be a little bit of 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 bias in there as well but the one thing i the couple of concerns that i heard were mm -hmm. that may december apparently did really well at the indie spirit awards it got like five or seven that's like something upwards of five or seven nominations but that julianne moore did not get nominated um so that's a little concerning uh people were like wait a minute isn't she like a good part of that movie like <laughs> like yeah. what are we doing um and then people are really kind of split on what this means so far for all of us strangers which is a movie i'm really excited to see yeah. but it's like people are kind of like some people are saying oh these nominations and awards so far like indicate it might be big com uh, coming up but then others are like no it needs to be will would have need to needed to do better by now or something like that so yeah it's it's interesting how different narratives kind of come out of it but i think killers without flower moon consistent winner also i think paul giamatti missed something in the, these awards um and people, even though the holdovers got some some stuff, and so people are also like, is he going to miss Best Actor? Like that would be tragic. So, um, but that also might be, you know, both of those sort of Julianne Moore and Paul Giamatti might be because of the sort of conglomeration of right, that's true. Uh, of of just lead performance and supporting performance. So, you know, Charles uh, Melton did get supporting performance for May, December, and Julianne Moore would have also been in the same category. Right. So, uh, you know, and there right. are movies that have multiple uh, nominations there. Uh, Eileen and American Fiction uh, both have two, two, nominate, two nominees in supporting performance. So it's not impossible, but maybe it just shows, at least in the indies, there was more. Sure, yeah. They were like, oh, let's put it towards the newer <laughs> person than Julianne Moore. This sort of happens every year, but the thing I just kind of want to be after Indie Spirit Awards in particular, I kind of want to be like, cool your jets, everybody, because there are usually a couple of films that people are like, well, this is now in the race. And then it's like, well, I mean, they are the Indie Spirit Awards. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they're, they're, you know, they're, 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 they're one of the, they, in theory, they should be one of the least indicators of, uh, you know, the, the softest indicators of the Oscars. Um, but I think a lot of people were like, oh, hey, maybe passages could get in. Uh, a movie that I have not seen yet, despite Greg being like, it's on movie. You can go watch it now. And I just haven't gotten, gotten to it yet. Um, so I think get yeah, passages. And then I feel like there was one other film. People People are now like, oh, maybe. Oh, maybe. And I'm like, eh, like, let's yeah. wait a little longer. Let's let's yeah. see like how much how Golden Globes, -y the Golden Globes are on Monday. 
uh, and yeah. to kind of counterbalance all, yeah. <laughs> what we what we have right now. So yeah, because uh, I think those nominations come out on Monday. So the, the only other thing I'll add is, you know, I saw people some commenters saying. Lily Gladstone just uh, tape to tape March to Best Actress because she took the award for from NBR, which again maybe that that's Scorsese bias, New York skewed. But you know there was there was a lot of talk for a while about like, oh Emma Stone is so good in Poor Things, is that going to be viable? Even you know um, Natalie Portman maybe for May December, one of the movies we'll we'll talk about today. But I think Lily Gladstone's really strong and it seems like she has a lot of momentum, even even more so than Killers of the yeah. Flower Moon does. Uh, yeah, she might be one of those that uh, contenders that's just steamrolls from now until the Oscars. I can like yep. a sort of like a Troy Kotzer or a Kihei Kwan, except she's in lead. Um, I've heard a lot of critics sort of like really complimenting Killers of the Flower Moon's campaign because like they're like, well, they put her in lead. So they put the focus on her and now she's the front runner. And like, it sounds like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro just throwing all of their star power to like, like sort of project onto her and be like, no, look at her. Don't look at us. Look at her. And so I feel like, you know, that's it's it's just seems like it's working out so far. (laughs) Yeah. So they know what they're doing. Um, In other news, in terms of upcoming stuff, I mean, Godzilla minus one just came out. People really love it. And now I'm like, why did I sleep on this? I should have gone to go see it. Um. I have my ticket for Monday. I'm excited to see it. Awesome. Uh, And then apparently is good. If you see Godzilla minus zero emergency pod next week, we can can make it happen. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) Sound sound the 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 monster raid sirens. I'm only laughing because like I feel like emergency pods should be reserved for like breaking news. Yeah, breaking news. Godzilla is awesome. Like that's the that's the news. Okay. All right. All right. Um, sure. <laughs> now I feel like we're going to have to do that just for to come yeah, we'll up with it. Um, uh, so yeah, so people are really excited about that, which I feel like, I don't know, I wasn't expect. I didn't have that on my radar necessarily. I'm not opposed to Godzilla movies. I enjoy them, but like, I didn't have that on my radar as being really good. And then uh, Wonka early reviews for that. Apparently everyone loves Wonka. And I, I want to officially apologize for saying there's something wrong about this movie. I don't know what it is. But something doesn't seem right. Apparently, well, that's everything's the, wrong. That's the that's the trailer. <laughs> that was so. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm happy that it's. I, I I'll I'll maybe watch it with my kids. We'll see. I, I, really will the... <laughs> I, I will not apologize. I will not apologize for thinking it looked bad because I think it, I still think it looks bad. But I'm glad to hear people are saying it's good. In you know that that was the sort of and I feel bad I forget his name it's King I think Paul King the writer director Paddington. Paddington movies uh, who did this it's like yeah great uh, yeah. yeah I don't have kids I you uh, were maybe the I'll watch one with Antonio's who, kids if I remember you were the one PT who was trying to talk me down from my skepticism because you're like but Paddington Paddington movies are good I I, so. I was just yeah I was just saying that's the reason to believe I didn't believe I wasn't trying yeah. to to convince you I was just saying. There, there, there is a window. There's a window that where of opportunity where it, it could be good. I, it's still so hard to believe, like just from what we've seen. But I don't know. Apparently, don't people know. like it. It sounds like it's because the trailers don't indicate that it's a musical at all. Yeah. But apparently, right. that's the thing that people really love about it. It sounds like is the musical right. parts, like the song and the dance and the whole spectacle of it. So, you know, maybe that's why there's such a. Uh, What's the word? 
not cavern. What am I thinking? Like a chasm? It's not yeah. Cavern. <laughs> it took me so long to think that. It's the end of the semester, folks. I've run really out of brain is. power. Um, I've been grading all day. B plus. <laughs> I have nothing left. B plus. B plus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. B plus. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we'll have to see wh- which of the three movies we're going to talk about. We'll, we'll we maybe get a B plus from us at this point in the semester. I think we're ready to talk about these Netflix movies. Uh, so we want to start with the short take. So these are general impressions of the film. But since we have three today, I figured we just rotate and like have each of us sort of take the lead on on each of these and kind of rotate through them. Uh, and so each person can do. We're gonna do yeah. We'll do one film and then one two three each of our short takes and then get to go to the next film i think that's 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 how we'll do it i managed to confuse myself with my notes i was like how are we doing this uh, so we'll start with uh I, I did put these in reverse release order so most recent to been out the longest um uh per sort of per pt's advice and so we're gonna start with may december and we're gonna start with antonio so antonio what was your short take on may december how'd you like it so I I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, so May December is about an actress investigating a decades long romance that started between a 36 year old and a seventh grader, um, as the actress prepares to play the former in a film. and And I found the movie to be just lush and surprisingly funny, um, with three excellent central performances. So there's like the Lifetime version of this movie, which probably Lifetime did have a version of this movie <laughs> that focuses on the affair. Um, and that's the film the actress is actually making. But this, we're talking about Todd Haynes, who's one of my favorite directors. So of course, it's much more interesting to imagine what the story of these people and their family would be over time. And, um, and so I had very high expectations for it. And they were, they were more than met. Um, and the, uh, so so I, I, I highly recommend this one. What do you all think? I also really enjoy this. I feel like it took me a minute after it finished to sort of process it. Like I sort mm-hmm. of sat there being like, wow, but what did I just watch? Like, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> but then it didn't take too long where I was like, oh, okay, I'm picking like, it, but it was one of those films that I really wish I had someone to talk to about it right afterwards to be like okay so like what and so yeah it was good that we're doing this today because i'm basically gonna be doing that just very delayed and uh yeah i feel like the performances in this are amazing i feel like there's some very layered acting happening especially natalie portman i feel like you know that we'll we'll talk about i have a question later in spoiler mode about which performance was our favorite but like i feel like natalie portman probably had the hardest job because she's not only playing she has to play an actress she is an actress playing an actress trying to do research for a role and then she has to kind of like but she has to be an actress of different skill level potentially or just like of a different type than she actually is and so it's like I, it's it was really interesting to kind of see her go into different registers at different sure. times throughout the movie um but yeah i love the, i love the music in this i love the yeah. melodrama um and i feel like it was very clever about using certain kind of stylistic tropes or genre like threads of different genres to sort of like build in commentary about telling the story and i feel like this is probably the only way to tell this kind of story well yeah Um, and we can get more into that in spoiler mode but uh pt what did you think about may december yeah i also love this movie 
I'm I'm close to just saying masterpiece. Like I think it's just exceptional. <laughs> it's 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 up in the my my upper echelon of the year. Uh, I thought it was it was really good. I was like laughing and cackling along for like a lot of the movie, but also like felt moved at a lot of times about like the sort of you know for especially particular characters for like what had happened to them uh, yeah. and the, and the lives that they were living and and you know, the, the sort of cages they had constructed for themselves. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I think everything that both of you said is, is very true. The, uh, the thing I will, the two things I'll add is I think that it is, it is particularly good at, at skewering storytelling, but particularly, you know, cinematic storytelling and acting and, and how we kind of construct uh, these these narratives that we tell each other and in addition to the stories we tell ourselves to live our lives but yeah everything about sort of acting and and the the production around acting and the fame around it that is in this movie was uh, delicious it, it, to me uh, and yeah I I think that it's it's one of those things where it's 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 hard and I I, I made a, a bold choice leading with the quote I did but it's hard to sort of say this is a funny and insightful movie about you know a woman who um, it, you know, was a, was a pedophile with uh, with a uh, a young boy who then she's still with like um, some famous tabloid people in real life um, and that I think that's a hard sell but I think if you can get past that this does a really good job of showing the sort of long-term damage that people do to each other yeah in what they think is a noble pursuit or or a pursuit of uh pure goals that are obviously not particularly pure is this is this yeah. your favorite todd haynes movie now pt well i'm gonna tell you i'm i'm i have a lot of blind spots with todd haynes the okay. only one I'm, I'm certain i've seen all the way through is velvet goldmine which i also love okay. um but I do, you know, so in in that sense, like I like this a little more than Velvet Goldmine, um, but yeah, I mean it's bad. I'm I'm very, uh, I'm I'm a bad moviegoer, but I've I've wanted to see, and my I had always sort of intended to see uh, the the other sort of major movies in between, plus Safe, which was technically before Velvet Goldmine, but just it's it's I've somehow missed it. So uh, I can't I can't really answer that beyond that long. Unanswered. Far from heaven, Far from Heaven is my favorite of his of his. Yeah. Um, Still, that's the only it, one it, i've seen oh you haven't seen oh he was carol i haven't too. seen i have yeah. not seen that yeah oh, he's uh, far from heaven i'm not there carol wonderstruck dark waters and then a movie called the velvet underground which is a documentary about the velvet underground okay. but it's different than velvet goldmine which is what you just said correct that's that's okay. like a glam rock story um sort of about bowie and iggy pop but a fictionalized version of that the the other thing I want to add to about this is that I think I had not low expectations, but I wasn't as excited to see this one because of the the premise, right? The type of story I knew it would be telling, and I was just kind of like, ah, I don't know if I if I need that. I don't know if I need this story in my life. But I have to say, it was so well done and sort of handled with such complexity, and but while also making it morally very clear cut. You know what I mean? Like it's like if people are going into this movie thinking oh is this going to try to like humanize someone who abused a child <laughs> no it's it's still it's still very clear that like this is not okay what happened um but but while still sort of dealing with kind of everyone's different perspectives on it and in a, yeah. in a way that's very nuanced and, and stuff like that so i thought yeah that was really well handled and like just a big flex you know this movie to me is a big flex where it's like 
Todd Haynes was like, you know what? I'm going to take this like tabloid ripped from the headline story and not only try to tell it, but pick apart the act of telling it. Uh, yeah. And it's just, it's just really, it's, and I think I, you know, I love Far From Heaven. I thought, yeah, I think that's like a, an amazing movie, but I feel like this is what this is doing is such so much more of a high wire act. It's true. And there and 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 therefore is like much more complicated in what it's trying to do and also much more controlled. Uh so it's sort of it I do feel when I look at those two movies as sort of bookends to Todd Haynes's filmography and granted I haven't seen anything else so I guess I shouldn't be making this comparison but, <laughs> but like but if I'm thinking of those as two endpoints in a timeline it's definitely clear that there's been like an evolution of some kind. Um Yeah. But with a lot of like sim- like similar themes I think. Um Yeah. All right. So now we're going to do our short takes for Nyad. And so I'll get us started with that. And I liked that Antonio, because I didn't write that into the beginning of the show, the plot premises of these. And my brain, I guess, was like, there are three films. There's no way I could like summarize the plots of all three of these. So I'm glad we're doing that as we go. Uh, so Nyad is a biopic about Diana Nyad, who was and still is. I believe she's still alive, right? Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. And she's a long distance swimmer. And so her claim to fame, though there is some controversy surrounding it, uh, it was that she swam, took many tries, but she swam from Cuba to the Florida Keys, uninterrupted, unaided. And so this is like her her big her big claim to fame. And the movie sort of follows how that how she managed to actually do that. Uh, it's very on. It's interesting because on the one hand, it's a biopic, sort of like dealing with her as a historical, like a famous sports figure. But then it's also kind of a prot like a procedural because it's sort of like no literally like how is a human able to swim from cuba to the keys and does a lot of the sort of like yeah procedural elements of of that um so my short take is i found annette benning's performance to be very annoying <laughs> <laughs> more like annoying benning it was, it was, yeah, I know it was, it, and like, I like Annette Bening. So I was kind of like, I was, I was like, I didn't like this because I was like, what are you doing to my impression of Annette Bening in this role? And I feel like that's largely due to, I, I think my understanding is that, and they sort of hinted this with the little clips that they show, because there are kind of, there is um, real footage kind of intercut in the movie. And I feel like they sort of hint at that just Diana and I had in real life was, was a lot to handle like she kind of she had a big personality and she was kind of arrogant and sort of you know stubborn for sure and like you know maybe not the not the easiest person to be around but I feel like Annette Benning just like really dug deep into that in a way that made me actively like kind of like want to step out of the movie uh where I'm just like I don't know and like Jodie Foster doing her best to counteract that because I really liked her character but I would say so that so that was a big thing where like I was interested in this as a sports movie I was like oh as like a against all odds sort of sports movie I feel like this does work pretty well um but Annette Benning's performance as Diana Naya was too too much for me and just like the way the editing of the movie and the way they sort of structured yeah. flashbacks and and the documentary footage and all that yeah. sort of stuff like that all that did not really it didn't gel for me um and so so i feel like it does okay as a sports movie kind of fails as a biopic what did you all think uh i i agree uh this is gonna be another maybe another boring episode where we all just agree with each other there's no (laughs) fighting but i i agree i didn't particularly care for this uh i didn't hate it i wouldn't think it was like 
awful, but it just didn't really connect with me. And I'm I'm glad, actually, Jen, to hear you say that Annette Bening's performance was off-putting enough that you were like, okay, I don't know if I want to deal with this anymore. Because there was, the, I think that the the thing that is the most worthy of recommending about this is the story. This is a story of a couple of women in their 60s, I believe, uh, but like who are not like, pretending to be anything but that they both very much look like they are they're of that age uh and you know she gets sort of rekindles this idea in herself of like i'm gonna go back and do this thing that i tried to do 30 35 years ago and you know puts in all this work to get back up to speed and uh spoiler ultimately does it and a question mark asterisk whatever um but ultimately does it and i think there's something to that like you know I, I think about how my mom would might like this movie because it's just like old broads getting it done. Yes, <laughs> like she likes that, uh, and that may be appealing. But one of the old broads is very abrasive and <laughs> and arrogant and and full of themselves. And I think it's good that they present that. And I think that a lot of the uh, the critiques and I mean I I, I put it in later in the uh, in the outline in the spoiler section, but I don't think it needs to be spoiled. That like there's a lot of pushback about not just this swim, but everything she's done in her life. She's very big on inflating stories of what happened to her in the past, uh, which is what leads people to say, well, when you did something and the only people who saw it were your employees, we don't know if it's true that it actually happened because you lied about all these other things. And so like in the lead up to the movie, it was like, how can you do this inspirational story based on a person like that? And it sounds like one of the ways they did it was, which made her really annoying. And we showed how bad she is about being honest and telling the truth in the movie uh, and said like, but we're still going to do the inspirational story. Anyway, um, to me, the reason to watch this movie is Jodie Foster. I think she's quite good in this. Uh, and there's lots of ways in which, uh, you know, I, it's, it almost doesn't feel like exceptional acting until you remember like, I mean, I know I've, I've listened to Joni Foster in interviews. I know the way that she talks. She's not like this person, but yeah. she so embodies this role and the accent and the mannerisms and the movement um, that it, it, you know, it feels excellent. And, and when they do show a quick little bit in the, in the end, either as part of the credits or right before the credits, is it a spoiler to say that? I don't think so. Um, of the real person and you see them, it's like, oh yeah, she nailed it. Like that's exactly who this person was. So I think that like it's – it's uh, if you have like any kind of inclination towards I want to see an inspirational story, um, a, a pretty standard overcoming the odds sports story about a sport that you probably don't think about or care about but are like, okay – like I, I, I'll watch that. I'll watch someone overcome the odds. Uh, and you want a good, uh, very one very good acting performance and another uh, very good acting performance that's super annoying. Um, then you can watch this movie. But I don't think otherwise. It's like gotta see it because it's only okay. So, so I'm gonna disagree a little bit. Yeah. I, this this, this actually is one of my favorite. I like Annette Benning a lot, right? And and you know, and later we're gonna talk about. You know, the fact that she hasn't won it. Hillary Swank keeps taking her Oscars. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, but um, I this I actually this is one of my favorite of her performances. I, I grant that the character is is um, abrasive and and um, and is a lot to swallow. But to me, 
like that's the that's um a credit to like Annette Benning, like her lack of vanity as an actor that she really is willing to like to go there and to make herself look just like you know be that unpleasant um and I don't know I found I I you know because these inspirational stories will often soften the edges of the of the sort of hero um in the course of the the thing I I liked the fact that you know she was hard to love um and it kind of makes sense to me given that what she's what she's done that 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 she'd have all of these other character flaws um as well so so i liked the the presentation and i, I to be honest, i kind of like i kind of liked her <laughs> um, i don't know i don't know what it says about me that i was kind of like i get it i get her <laughs> um <laughs> it's amazing um, uh, but um, but I also I will agree also like Jodie Foster is one of my favorite actresses of all time and I and I'm I'm sad that that um, that she doesn't act more right um, you know like you know back in the in the Silence of the Lambs and like you know when she she won Best Actress like within like three years you mm-hmm. know um, and then yeah there were some other films that, that since then but like she's just acted less and less um, as she's gone along so when I saw that these two actresses were going to be a movie together. Um, I, I, I was excited and, um, you know, I'll, I'll agree of the, of the three films, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's the least of the three, I think. Um, but I did think that, um, there was a lot about like open water swimming that I didn't understand. Um, you know, like I, I swim now, now every time I go swimming, I think of Diana Nyad. You're going to, you're going to be like, I shouldn't be tired. I know, I know. When I get to the edge of the pool, I'm just like, "Where's Jodie Foster throwing spaghetti at my face?" <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, but you can take uh, your meals out of a tube. Yeah, exactly. You need a weird <laughs> jellyfish mask. Yeah, I'm mean, just we're yelling fire. fire! This is fire! Fire! fire. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, but um, uh, <laughs> I, you know, and I, I swim for like at most, I can swim for like an hour, and like. And and I'm exhausted, and so the thought like of what what it would take to do this is just incredible, right? Uh, and it takes someone with like something a little bit screwy <laughs> in the mind to like to just like to set out to do this, and with all of the hazards and all the whatever. So um, so yeah, I I I I definitely I could sense before this that I like this more than you two, and I I think that that's that's true. So um and I, but I I'm gonna I'm gonna stick up for the for the net betting performance, and I, I hope that she gets a a best best actress nomination that she will lose, <laughs> but um but uh, I I I this again one of my favorite Annette betting performances. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like she was. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. We we need to move on. We need to move on. No, I will say I agree. I think it is a good performance, and I think it's very. You know, I feel like there's such a crappy concept of just sort of like it's so brave when a woman does something, does a performance that that makes her look ugly. Um, But like she looks very ugly in a lot of the because like it's a just a damaging sport. Yeah. uh, To be doing so, like her, she's like sunburnt and like like her whole face is chapped, like, like chapped lips. And, you know, she's, she's like shriveling almost from all the, the energy in, in all these different attempts and the training. And so I think that it's, it's an exceptional performance in, in terms of all of that. Um, And, you know, characters annoying. And that's, I think that's the intent. Sometimes it's just like, I don't know if I want to spend more time with an annoying character, but I have full respect. (laughs) No problem with her. I mean, apart from, you know, if I go through the list, and see like maybe there's five performances I would rather have above her. But like if she got nominated, I would be like, great. 
like she did a great job. There's no like travesty. I would rather Jodie Foster get nominated. She swam a lot. Because I liked that performance. Yeah, yeah I guess. Just keep swimming, Jen. Yes, just keep swimming. Uh, yeah, I guess for me, I think, because now you're forcing me to think about like, why did I actually have this reaction to this? It's always, always better to understand why we react to things a certain way. And I feel like, it was just dialed to 11 for too long to like the pit for too long, like too long at a time. And it was, for me, it was not sustainable to sort of like tolerate her, her like, like telling the same stories over and over again. And then like being like, but I am the greatest only I could do this. I have to do this. Right. And I'm like, we get it. (laughs) We really do. Um, But yeah, but again, like, you know, I've heard a lot of people talking about how, she has a really good dynamic and rapport with Jodie Foster's character. And like, I agree with that. Like, I think they play the odd couple very well. Like I thought, and that was probably my favorite part of the movie is like that is the part, the parts that focus on their friendship. I feel like were the strongest parts to me. Yeah. All right. So now we can move on to the killer PT. Why don't you take the lead on that one? Sure. Uh, the killer is in uh, the new movie from David Fincher. Uh, and uh, it's a, a movie about a hitman uh, played by Michael Fassbender. And it's really kind of set in his head uh, as much as around him where we have a, uh, a lot of his internal thoughts uh, while he uh, works on a job and then the events that happen after that job. Uh, and, uh, you know, it is, it is, a David Fincher thriller. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I want to say more than that uh, about uh, about what's going, what, what goes on in the movie. Um, but I will say, I, I enjoyed this movie. To me, it is clearly in the sort of middle space uh, of these three movies. It clearly came in second. Uh, it, you know, it, maybe it's overly dismissive to say it is a a minor work from David Fincher, but it doesn't feel like it's trying to do too much. And, uh, you know, it's, I think that the ability to enjoy this movie or the likelihood of enjoying this movie is dependent on whether you get on its wavelength or not. And I think its wavelength is very sardonic and very critical of the main character and this world around him and his attitude towards things. Uh, And I think that, uh, you know, I like that. And I was like, okay, like I, I enjoyed this and I enjoyed sort of seeing how things unfold. Uh, given that perspective and uh, but if you go in thinking like this is going to be a great movie about a badass hitman I can't wait to see all the badass hitman stuff that happens you're probably going to have a bad time Uh, so uh, yeah I mean I I, I liked this Uh, going into the year I thought this might be a movie I would love and I didn't love it but uh, I liked it and uh, I'm glad I'm glad that I saw it and I'm glad it's out there yeah, I think I I really liked it too. I think it's a movie that was uh that had 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 a particular aim and and met its aim. <laughs> I th- I found it crisply directed, edited and acted, especially from a reliably spiky Tilda Swinton. <laughs> uh to me oh, that was she's, my She's my, easily the best part. She yes. is. Like that that's we'll talk about that scene later. Um but I, you know, I think it I think it was a satisfying um movie that did that did just maybe a little bit more than i expected and and most of that again comes down to tilda swinton but i but it was just very like expertly um crafted it's not like breaking any boundaries or anything but it it was a perfectly like fine uh night at the movies 
I also really like this. I think it sounds like maybe I, I might have liked it a little bit more. It, it is one of those movies that when you're watching it in the moment, you're like, wow, David Fincher. Like, <laughs> I'm having such a good time. And then for me, it was sort of like the farther out I've gotten from watching it, the the more I'm kind of like, oh, true. I acknowledge this is sort of like lesser mid-tier Fincher, right? Like, it's, it's good, but it's not reaching the heights of some of his best work. So, but I think Michael Fassbender is amazing in this movie. I think he really understood the assignment. Uh, yeah. It's great to see him back. I'm a big fan of his in general. And, you know, he really wears a bucket hat well. And... <laughs> Uh, and I, I do feel like, yeah, wavelength is a good way to put it, PT, because I feel like at, in the first few minutes, I was like, this is a lot of first person voiceover. But then when you understand the perp, like it very it, pretty soon after that it becomes clear what the point of the voiceover is and then like what is its relationship to what we're watching and stuff like that. And so I think then it becomes a much more interesting movie. Um, once you kind of understand, oh, okay, this is why this is the this case. It's not, you know, because uh, I feel like I've heard people try to say that this is merely a genre exercise. And I don't think it's just that. I think it's doing a little bit more than that, right? Like to be like, oh, let's just like take this hitman and like make a thriller where he has to go do a bunch of things, right? It's more than that. Um, but at the same time, some other people are sort of like, this is like an amazing masterpiece fincher's best movie since zodiac or seven or something i'm like eh, no like i'm not i'm not quite there either so i think this is yeah solid good time uh i would say that i think i was a little cooler on the ending and i think the ending for me actually had a lot to do with sort of my overall impression of the film you know what i mean like and and why it was like while i was watching it i was like wow but then afterwards after time passed i was a little cooler on it so i think but otherwise yeah it's really i had a really good time watching it uh and i think we're ready probably to move into recommendation algorithm because i literally was about to say i'd recommend people watch it <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're we're gonna move into the recommendation algorithm in which we establish the audience of each of these films there we go there we go sorry this is a short delay uh so you know we are we are in varying degrees of enjoyment of all three of these films, which of these would you actually want people to see? Or as in the spirit of the recommendation algorithm, which types of people should see each of these movies, right? Like, you know what I mean? Cause I think the assumption that, you know, and this is very fitting cause we're talking about Netflix, which arguably started the recommendation algorithm concept. And so like, you know, if, if people are, which, which Netflix algorithms are going to fit for each of these three films, do you think? I don't know if I can answer that question necessarily, but what I do want to say is I, th the movie that I enjoyed the least is probably the one that is going to be the most widely enjoyable because it's, it is what it says on the tin. And that's Nyad where you're just sort of like, Oh, is this an inspirational sports movie biopic? Like, yep. It's like, does someone overcome the odds and do something crazy? It's like, yeah, they do. Uh, <laughs> you know, and great acting performances from two, the two leads that are billed above the title. Yes, that, that's what you get. Good. Whereas I think both The Killer and May December, if if you go into The Killer saying this is David Fincher's Hitman movie, the people to whom that appeals may not actually like what happens because it isn't, you know, it isn't a, a you know, seven or fight club, but it's with a hitman. You know, it's a it is a little bit different. The 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 approach is is a little I think more recursive maybe is a way of saying it. I don't know, but it's a little bit more about like, you know, 
having this character sort of hitting the like, what are we doing? And and you know, what's it's happening? It's more it's more contemplative. Yes. And more I wouldn't call it a genre exercise like some critics have, but it is more of a thought exercise, I think, than mm. the tomb films you just mentioned. Yes. Yeah. And I think if you see May December and you're like, oh, I want to watch a movie, like if you think it's gonna be like a pleasant movie with Julie Moore and Natalie Portman, <laughs> you may not be prepared for the the subject matter or the the uh developments that unfold. Uh so yeah, I mean I, I think that people really shouldn't read the descriptions of of these movies, <laughs> especially May December. Uh because yeah, I but I I would say I you know, I, I would recommend I would, you know, obviously because I like it the most, I would most recommend May December if people are prepared for the fact that it is, you know, not necessarily super fun, you know, subject matter or as a jumping off point. Yet it is a movie that is try- not necessarily like making fun of it, and it's not like ringing laughs from this thing, but it is there. Is, it, it, it's humorous, uh, and so there, it's it, it's very, uh, you know conflicting in its own way uh and so i think if people are willing to do that uh and and want to accept that uh, they will there's a good chance that they may enjoy it but i think that a lot of people are gonna watch it for 20 minutes and then x out and thumbs down it and be like i watched this movie it sucked so i i agree with with pretty much all what pt just said i mean i think that that's probably right that naiad has the sort of broadest appeal um and that is the closest to sort of what the description promises. Um, the killer, my gauge for the killer. So, so my my mother is like that was the biggest is always been the biggest fan of like movies with just like violent, <laughs> like killer like serial killer movies. You know, you know those like Ashley Judd movies back in like the nineties or early two thousand. Oh, yeah, we'd we'd watch that those as a family, <laughs> right? And um, and I remember that that um, that I watched Netflix actually when I was in 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 Texas. Um, and I noticed that she had watched the killer, but she'd only watched the first 30 minutes. So, so I finished it and I was like, um, why did, why didn't you finish it? She said like, it was boring. <laughs> and I was like, well, uh... go back and just, and just, because like I, we're talking about it and we're using words like contemplative. And, and I think that that's right, but there are some really amazing action packed moments in here. We'll, yes. we'll, we'll talk about it in spoiler mode that were just incredibly well choreographed and, sure. and just really thrilling and exciting. So, so once she got to that, she, so when she finished it, she was like, Oh yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Um, so, so there are some, it's, it's definitely more contemplative than, than you would expect, but I think it, it, it can still, you know, satisfy that itch if that's, if that's the kind of thing that you're looking for. And then for May, December, um, you know, I, I don't know, like, I, I guess I kind of alluded to this when I sort of said, like, well, you kind of, there's like the lifetime version of this. There's like the, there's like the sort of like uh, Dateline, <laughs> like news magazine version of this um, that, 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 that the description kind of makes you expect uh, to see. But then May, December is kind of like the literary fictiony take on it, right? It's like this over time and, and what happens and contemplating the sort of thorny questions about what that, what that would look like. Um, so, um, so I don't know. I mean, I, 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 May, December is the one that I'm going to just recommend to people. Uh, and if, if I'm wrong, whatever. <laughs> um, the ways in which May, December is, could be challenging. And I, I, I actually want to push back on the idea in a second, but like, you know, the ways in which it would be challenging for a lot of people, I feel like our reason to recommend it, you know what I mean? Like to be like, if we're going to, if, it, if, if you're a movie nerd and 
you have one thing that you want to one agenda item that you want to push on people to kind of like get them out of their comfort zone but in a good way you know what i mean like to be like you know not to use like we only have one of those a year probably right where people are like so what's we you know what should i be watching right now and if like that's the one that you can use to, to be like you know you might get mad at me later for making you watch this movie but i think you're going to be into it once you kind of get past the initial like what is this um but the but i really want to push actually want to push back on that because i actually think that one of the brilliant things about may december is that it sort of like satisfies the craving for a salacious story while critiquing mm -hmm. it at the same time and so mm -hmm. in that way i think a lot of people who would be like into the tabloid stories just at face value they would maybe they would even watch the lifetime version of this movie i think they actually are still going to be drawn to the story they just might yeah. need to talk to somebody afterwards right, about it um and actually what i would say is like the person who would be the most into may december is someone who when you're browsing the internet and you see clickbait you mouse over it and then you stop <laughs> yourself that's the person who's and maybe I'm describing me like that's the person, you know, or asking for a friend. I don't know. Like that, that's the person that I think would like this movie the most because it is it, it's doing both of those things. Right. It's like dealing with the sort of sensational aspect of the story and the ripped of, from the headlines, you know, you know, to borrow from Law and Order. You know, the, the <laughs> I had to use it. Antonio's here. I got to use the Law and Order. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like it's do it has a duality to it in that sense. Right. And it also like if you like a sh something like Big Little Lies, yeah, where it's just like women being feisty with each other and kind of undercutting each other and kind of being conniving and manipulative. And like, like this is this is this died to a thousand. Like, it's like it's the best version of that type of thing I've seen in a very long time where you're just like glued to the screen being like, I cannot believe they're doing these two people are talking to each other in this way right now. Um, yeah. So in that way, I feel like it's juicy. It's juicy in a way. Yeah. And it's not so art housey. That's good. That someone who's into that sort of thing would be turned away. I want to say. Yeah. And I, I think that's actually why we're going to be, I feel like, so I've been tracking the sort of critical reception of this movie. So when it premiered, which I want to say it was at Venice. I don't know this off the top of my head, though. Like, whenever it came out on the film festival circuit, mm -hmm. it was sort of lukewarm because a lot of critics were like, I love this, but, like, what are other people going to make of this? What is the Academy going to make of this, right? And so people were kind of downplaying it a little bit. But I feel like now that it's on Netflix, there's this huge wave. Oh, thank you, PT. It premiered at Cannes. Um, and it was kind of lukewarm reception. Like, there wasn't a lot of buzz. But now that it's on Netflix and people are, have taken to the internet about this movie, like... I feel like it's going to be a bigger deal than people expected. And that Good. might translate, you know, spoiling our Oscars discussion, but that might translate into Oscar traction potentially. Can I ask one last question um, before we go into spoiler mode? Um, so th these are all Netflix movies. I assume we all watch them on Netflix. Is that right? Um, is, of, of the three movies, which do you think would benefit, would have benefited the most from seeing on the big screen? Hmm. I feel like the big screen would have benefited the killer being in an audience would have benefited May, December. Oh, that's oh, a good call. Okay. I like yeah. it. I like that. Because like Fincher's like precision directing, I feel like really benefits from a big screen. Sure. And just yeah. like the visuals. The other thing for recommendation algorithm is like, because Fincher has said that Haywire, the Soderbergh movie was a big inspiration for this, which all, and it also has Michael Fassbender in it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if you like that movie, there's a lot here, especially one, fight scene in particular that like is very 
like yeah. the wire. Um, so that's the other thing too. But yeah, I think it's a really good call. Yeah, I, I think. I will, or seeing I will it also... with, with cocktails is May December, right? Like have a bunch <laughs> of your friends over, have yeah. some wine, and like, and then like all like gasp at May December. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, I will. I will note uh, having you know been sort of kicking it for a while. There were a lot of really great like vista shots in Nyad. There was a, there was some very strong visuals and the the sort of recording of the swimming and sort yeah. of her experience in the in the big in the open water really in 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 all in all the sort of swimming locales that it, that happens. Um, you know, again, I don't don't think that that then answers Antonio's question of you should have seen it on the big screen, but I bet it would have, you know, every movie benefits from the big screen in in some ways. And I think that some of those big ocean vistas would have been uh, really, really great in that context. All right. So I think we're ready to go into spoiler mode. So if you've not seen all of these movies or you do not care if one of these movies, like you've seen two, but the third one, you don't care if it's spoiled. If you, if, unless that's you, do not proceed, right? Like, because we are going to talk about, after I hit the spoiler mode music, we're going to talk about all three of these movies. We are going to go in sequence roughly, but we reserve the right to sort of jump around and talk about them together if we need to. So you have been warned. All right, so we're going to start with May, December. You know, I might be biased or it might be recency biased because that's the one I watched most recently. But I feel like I had the most questions about May, December. And so I want to start with that one. You know, so maybe, you know, if there's a question on here that we don't have to necessarily go in order because I just had so many. I was like, I can't. Let's keep going. I have more questions. Um, But I want to start with the ending. This is tradition on the show now that we, after spoiler mode, go to the most spoilery thing potentially. So why do you think we end with the conversation between Elizabeth and Gracie's, you know, Natalie, and then, and then after that sort of in like a little bit of an epilogue, but really the end of the film, like, why do we end with Natalie Portman on set on her movie? So I don't know, uh, is the, is, is a good, is, is a, the real answer to that. But I will say this in terms of my reaction to it. And maybe I'm wrong about this, or maybe it was slow of me to not realize it until that point. I didn't realize until then that Natalie Portman was playing someone who's not a good actress and this movie was going to be trash. Like for some (laughs) reason, the whole time I was like, oh, she's doing research for like the Todd Haynes movie about this that's happening in her world. And like once we sort of got to that and not that like her, you know, it's such this terrible performance or anything, but I was like, Oh, right. This is just going to be, a you know, another version of the cheesy movie she watched or, you know, in doing her research, like this is a lifetime movie. Like this is, or it's the Netflix streaming movie. That's just, you know, chum that gets thrown out in like late February and it's just like yeah yeah we have uh, two new movies this week this is one of them it's maybe on the you know the, it's the second box on the splash page for two days some Friday and Saturday and then you never hear about it again uh, so you, and so, you thought she was like Daniel Day-Lewis like that I she's mean not like... necessarily that she was that but I, I I was sort of just like well like she's like a Natalie Portman like she's playing a version of herself and you know, was sort of, you know, making fun of that kind of, you know, maybe like the, the, the method of uh, trying to track someone. Right. Um, and, you know, she, it was, she watches, she watches the, 
presumably like the Lifetime-esque version on her right. TV. Right. Which is part of I was like, oh, then now we're doing the Artie version, like, you know, 20, 30 years later, we're getting the Artie version of what had been the sort of quick, you know, Alyssa Milano starred movie um, from, <laughs> the, from the late 90s. But, Just fired. Like, well, I'm just thinking who uh, who was Amy. F- <laughs> Anytime anyone gets out of line, I'm playing that. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. So so anyway, I, I feel like that. So that end where it was sort of all of this and all this upheaval that was created by her presence isn't in pursuit of some like meaningful masterful piece of art but was yeah. just going to be another crappy yeah. version of this story like how brilliant is her acting one. like yes. how brilliant is her acting in that scene that you so immediately good. know that she's bad you know what i mean like yeah. that, or that it's not going well um and how yeah. and how like how and how panicky she is about that you know what i mean like that yeah like when she's asked for the another cut or another yeah. take when she's like I feel like I'm getting at something truer or real or whatever, right? And you're, there's so much desperation in her voice when she says that, and you know that she's never gonna get there. And yeah. it's just like, oh wow, Todd Haynes, like not pulling any punches, amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, right. And we if we compare that to the the like looking into the camera, I don't remember the technical term for that shot anymore, but like the where she's reading the letter. Like that's really good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's like, that's it's a much better performance. You feel, than... yeah, you feel like she's really in it. And there's all those little moments when you know she's like standing with Julianne Moore, or they're sitting in like the dressing room, uh, or outside the fitting room, and like she's like moving her body to copy the same. Like she's looking in the mirror to copy the gesture, and it's like, oh, she's crafting this it's so... impeccable performance. But then. That's, you know, maybe that's something that she is able to do and then she can't perform it on the set. Or, I don't, again, maybe this is because I should have picked up on this all along. What Once once uh, the, the uh, husband uh, slash former victim is watching uh, the, the YouTube clip, or you know, we only hear it, but the YouTube clip of her accepting an award. And in retrospect, it's clearly like a People's Choice Award. It's not, <laughs> some, it's like... It means the most to me because it was voted on by you. And oh, right. it's sort of like, oh, I, I get it. Like, yeah, she's she's that kind of person. She's like, you know, MTV Movie Award level. Uh, but she's aspiring for more, right? Because people like right. her for some show called Nora's Ark, which sounds <laughs> yeah. like it like which sounds like it should be on CBS. Like it's you know, yeah. what I mean, like um at like seven o'clock. Like it's like um but but that she's like looking Maybe she's, yeah, she's aspiring to be a greater actress, but she's been sort of pigeonholed in these more, like, less challenging sort of soapy shows um, or films. So, yeah, I don't know. It's So, Antonio, what's your interpretation? Because I feel like I kind of thought she might have been a talented actress, but then, like, Julianne Moore got in her head, kind of. Mm. Or was she bad the whole time? I think she was bad the whole time. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, but I I too also didn't didn't couldn't didn't get a read on that. I mean, look, there there is one hint, right? Uh, that that she's maybe not as professional an actress. Obviously, like when she when she sleeps with Joe, when she sort of when she crosses that line, that there's 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 her process is, is, is something's off with her process. Um, um, 
but but in terms of of it as like the last moment of the of the film, I thought it was perfectly appropriate because it's a this is a, f- a film about people who perform. I mean, obviously Elizabeth mm. like literally performing, right? But like Joe, in the course of their marriage, is always performing for Gracie, right? Like like there's a that, that moment when Joe comes into the house and he can hear Gracie crying, and he's just like, "Here we go." This is, I have to, there's, there's a, there's a, there's something I have to do. Right. Now. He has to like bolster himself before he goes in yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and you sense like, you can feel the weight of like 24 years or however long it's been of being that and doing that. And, mm. and it's exhausting. You just look at him and he's exhausted. Yeah. Um, and then Gracie is, is performing as well. Right. On so many levels, Gracie is performing. Um, you know, you, you you mentioned that that sort of scene where where she's talking to Elizabeth because like Gracie at a certain point even refers to herself as naive, right? And um and and it's important but also secure. I, then later she says she's yeah, secure. That's it's confusing. Right. <laughs> well, but I think that for Maybe she's not being honest. We don't know. I mean, who yeah. who can tell? Well, I think that it's important for, for 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 from the moment of that affair on. I think it was important for her to 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 put on this sort of act that like that she was this naive person, both to Joe, to herself and to the world. But in this one moment that you're talking about, Jen, like right before when she has this sort of final confrontation with Elizabeth, once she realizes sort of where Elizabeth stands and, 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 and once she's like, once she really views her as an adversary, she wants Elizabeth to know that, that, She's sad that she's savvier than she's making herself out to be. Right. And that Elizabeth and 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 that that Elizabeth has underestimated her. Right. Mm. And um and and she needs her to know that without without totally like giving up like like the act. Um I mean, I think Gracie is fascinating. We'll talk more about about her in a bit, but like that to me, it just seems right. Um, because it was just watching people um, you know, uh like everyday performances of their of their lives right right and so they're also performing being normal yeah i mean Mm -hmm. like they're working so hard to have this like very innocuous domestic life right with their community their neighbors their friends they're having cookouts like they're trying to trying so hard to be like no like this is normal we're normal Uh, you know i love that the that the biggest crying scene in the movie involved someone who canceled a cake order <laughs> right? know, right? her sister <laughs> is sick or something i don't know yeah, it doesn't I, don't know. I hate it when this happens you know it's just a waste of food and they're not going to be able to do it. and then she just freaks out and then mm-hmm. and then joe has to calm her down and then he has to eat the cake mm-hmm. <laughs> and like you just get the sense that like this has happened before it's gonna happen again um but um yeah i loved it yeah. Jen, what about you? What did you think about the last scene? So I feel like it really cemented the the idea the main idea of the movie was about this idea of like can we can we ever is it possible to get at some sort of truth with a person, right? Or with like in representing other people through either through stories or through journalism or whatever it is, right? Um yeah. and because that's what that's the thing that that uh that Elizabeth is really chasing the whole movie, right? She's like, mm-hmm. she's like, I need to get and to the point where it's like unhealthy, right? Like for me, it was an earlier red flag when, when she goes to the pet shop and has the scene where she's like trying to relive the ex- ecstasy of their, their, their illicit encounter. Um, 
and then i was like oh like oh no like this, this is not good um uh she she is not okay <laughs> like um and then even like her director's like you really need to come back like you why are you still there right like so there's clearly some some sort of weird like almost like fetishism she has at getting at the truth of their lives um in a way that she's still chasing in that final scene and you just get again i thought the brilliance of of that that final scene in particular was that it said so much because it it's sort of like i don't know like turn the lights on so we could see the garishness of what was happening in a way like because you could tell just the way by sh- and they're repeating the stupid line about the snake like it's not that kind of snake <laughs> whatever. Yeah. it's so bad um <laughs> and the fact that they repeat that over and over again it's so clear that this is not what she thought she was going to be getting or achieving right and that she's so desperate to find find the truth and like but also i feel like the reason that the scene with Gracie has to be the penultimate scene right before that is because Gracie totally upends Elizabeth's notion that there is a core truth that she can find right because and like this is a this movie is like a huge critique of of act at least acting if not movie making I don't know like you could I was listening to film cast the other day and like they were arguing back and forth about whether or not this is saying indicting this individual actress as having this appetite for this sort of like research or is it just the perf- like the art of acting inherently has these problems so we can talk about that too in a second but um but i feel like that scene has to come before because the the truth bomb maybe that's the wrong word but like the bomb she drops that gracie drops of like oh like do- that's the my my tragic backstory of being abused as a child was not true like she sort of implies that she set that up right she's like oh i talk to georgie every day like because because elizabeth's like he told you because like the she received that as like a secret truth right from georgie that like she wasn't supposed to know that that gracie's brothers abused her as a child right and so like it totally upends her idea of like oh i figured it out i cracked I cracked this character because yeah. I understand their, why they're doing the things they're doing now. Right. And so she totally messes that up. And I, that's sort of why I was like, well, there's a possibility that, that Elizabeth's so shaken by that, that whatever momentum she had gained by doing this research in terms of understanding the character is just okay. like totally destroyed mm-hmm. and she can't, yeah. she can't do it anymore. Right. Um, because Gracie sort of like messed up her neat and tidy, like, Oh, this is the character's past. Therefore it understands how they are now and how I can play them. So. so I'm going to I'm going to tie this into Nyad because there's there's obviously like a connection. There's a connection mm. in Nyad where we have these flashbacks about um, about sexual abuse that Diana Nyad endured when she was younger. Um, I, I agree with all the things that they're doing, sort of interesting things in May, December. Uh, the, the, you know, I think I think it's less successful at what. In Nyad, it's just sort of it's there, like it's definitely a part of the the text. But um, but but what to do with it or how to how to read it? Because uh, even Nyad is like that doesn't define me. I'm not a victim and da da da. Uh, and the way that she says it, but like the way that the movie presents it is almost like, or is this is this presented as kind of like an explanation for her prickly nature or for why she wants to do these things, which is kind of un- an uncomfortable you know sort of thing for us to live with. So you have this sort of sense of the filmmaker's sense that it was important and it needed to be there, um, uh, but but. I don't know, just the way that it was presented, it made me feel a little, a little strange about, I, yeah. I'm not sure how to read it. So, um, so I agree that there's, that, that, um, 
you know, you asked the question sort of ahead of time, like, what, what do you think it actually happened? Or how do we believe Gracie here that it was sort of made up? Uh, I mean, I think it's entirely possible in May, December, given her psychology and sort of state of arrested development. But I also think it's entirely possible that it's a lie, another tale that Gracie has sort of spun for sympathy or for a shortcut for others to understand, explain, or mm-hmm. excuse her in the way that she desires. Yeah, I, I think to speak on May, December yeah. first on this, I think that the critique isn't necessarily acting as a craft, but it's just talking about how we build narratives for ourselves to yeah. try to explain our lives and other yeah. people's lives. And it's a sort of like, oh, well, this is a story and it's really easy for me to understand it because this is the story. But then once you actually get into a lived experience and and things are just inevitably more complicated than that. And right. so trying to simplify it is going to create problems. But sometimes we do that you know, to our own detriment to sort of be like, well, this is the story of what happened to me. And, you know, like, like Gracie being like, well, he seduced me. Like he's the one who came on to me. Like that's the story she tells herself. So she's not a predator. And that just makes it easier for her to live uh, with, with the reality of it. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I don't know if I believe her in the end saying, that story that, you know, my first son told me that, that never, that never happened. Uh, you know, like I, I wasn't actually abused when I was, was a child, but one of the narratives that had been sort of, again, an easy one for everyone to tell is she abandoned her old family to be with her, you know, underage lover right. and they start a family. But then she's like, well, I talk to him every day. It's like, oh, so he isn't, you know, this like prickly jerky guy in a, you know, bar band in Savannah, who's like, you know, mean to everyone around him because his mom abandoned him because he talks to his mom all the time, or at least talks to her enough that she does know about that conversation they had. So yeah, I mean, I I think it's basically just that like all like the real story of everything is more complex and Mm -hmm. trying to get an easy narrative is, is going to do more harm than good. Uh, And I don't know exactly how that influences the last scene of the movie but uh but i think that that's a sort of a, a part of what's uh, of what's going on uh in terms of naiad and uh those flashbacks yeah I, I i didn't i found it hard to not read it as she goes into the water for you know multiple you know, 60 hours you know 20 40 60 hours at a time to yeah. like almost sort of like you know whip herself about this like sad memory and she keeps reliving these moments uh, yeah. in her past that are painful to her. And it's like, this is the way of processing it. I don't know if they really like unpack that beyond just yeah. sort of the juxtaposition. Yeah. Uh, I also, I mean, I, I believe I texted this to Jen. I don't know if it was to both of you. It might've been to Jen on the side. Uh, Cause we're not talking about these movies before we get on the pod, but that I break the rules sometimes. Uh, but I was like, oh, is this- <laughs> I'm caught. <laughs> uh, don't please don't put in the newspaper Sorry. that I. I I'm a mad woman now. You can't stop me with these these sound drops. Uh, no, I love it. We are, as, as Greg has said, we are moving closer to just an AM, uh, you know, an FM yeah. morning show. Um, we're we're a, a you know drive drive time uh, a soundboard show. Anyway, uh, that like I, it felt like it was sort of building up to this reveal, and it was like right at the midpoint of the movie that like showed. Oh yeah, and the coach. Um, you know, took advantage of her, sexually abused her. And uh, that was, uh, you know, that was, uh, that's a part of her story. But when you watch it on Netflix, 
like it pops up on the on the you know pretty prominently in the top left corner of the screen. Here's the content of you know this movie because that's you know how a streaming service works. So it was like depictions of sexual abuse. So it's like oh I guess there's going to be sexual abuse in this movie. So all that sort of like build up maybe that was supposed to be a twist, but it was so clearly not a twist. Like as soon as that coach was there, I was like well, I don't trust that guy. Like that guy's suspect. Like <laughs> yeah. that's where that's how that's where this story's going to go. But then right. it kept like holding it back and it felt like it was thinking it was building up to some sort of awful reveal but instead it was just sort of like yep that's i knew that i knew that from the start so i think it blunted the impact yeah the the flashbacks in naiad were probably the least effective part to me because and it you know once you pointed that out that like oh they're they're actually foretell like they're spoiling their own twist with the with the content warning then i was like oh maybe that's what it is but i also think it's just like there didn't seem to be any purpose with individual flashbacks do you know what i mean like and we had so many of them they were like it very frequently and like i think part of that would probably was because sometimes they were explanatory flashbacks of like here's something that happened to her in the past maybe explains how she is now but then they were it was also like when she was hallucinating in the water she often remembered so it was just i feel like we were we were going back to that well very frequently and i feel like if i went to each individual scene other than building up to the abuse part as like a big reveal, I'm not sure each individual flashback told us something new. It felt very repetitive to me of like, okay, we get it. Like she's been doing this since she was a kid. She was like high achieving. Oh, and her, her coach also abused her. That's really, obviously it's really terrible. He should not have done that. Um, but at the same time, does that really illuminate anything about her current quest? There's, there is one, I think monologue she mini monologue she has with Jodie Foster's character towards the end. It's sort of like when they're kind of reconciling and she mm. sort of says like, I'm sorry. And then she's, she, I feel like she starts to talk about what her traumatic childhood and the abuse. And then Jodie Foster says something like, that's not, that was not your fault. Right. Like they have like a, a pretty kind of like expected conversation about it. Um, mm. Like it was, it wasn't your fault. She's crying. Right. Like, but I feel like by then we don't we had seen those flashbacks so many times that like the impact I think it felt like that was that monologue was supposed to, or that conversation was supposed to have a lot more impact than it actually did, um, and maybe it's because it, the film's operating the assumption that there's a there is a skeleton key for every character, right? Of like, you know, this unlocks everything about Diane and Iad, which is not true. Right. I'm sure there were lots of other things that made her annoying, right? Like. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wow. wow. <laughs> but she's not insecure. Make sure they show. Make sure they show that she's not right. insecure. Well, that's why she's that dangerous. A bunch of people almost die because we're trying to help her. <laughs> because she's insecure. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I do wonder if, to me, the, 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 other, the other component of that, uh, in addition to the flashbacks, I did not like the real life documentary footage being mixed in. Yeah. And a lot of that was, was um, flashbacks, which I I will admit at first, I didn't realize it was sort of like, this is what she was doing in the seventies when she tried it. Uh, And then this was the like two, 2011, 2012 uh, and 13 was Annette Benning trying it, but then they would start mixing in, you know, TV crew, TV news footage of that moment as well. And I think that both of those elements 
if they were taken out of the movie, the movie would be stronger. Like even if no other changes were made, I think that like just sort of the performances and just the story as it's, as it existed would work better. And and I think there'd be enough sort of implication you know, in things that imply what is in that content. Like you're saying, I don't think it added a lot. I don't think it really gave us, you know, it wasn't really showing us things that uh, we needed to see that we didn't get from the acting and, and the writing of the dialogue between them. And I wonder if, uh, and I don't mean this uh, to be disparaging towards documentary filmmakers. I wonder if the instincts they have as documentarians of let's sprinkle in backstory, let's do some footage from back in the day, let's get these things from different angles and and you know mix almost different uh, like formats because some things look like they were on a VHS. Like some things that were clearly filmed for the movie, like the actors mm-hmm. are in the scene, look like they're filmed on like either a VHS camera right. or a very low resolution instead of, you know, a, a right. It's film simulating archival footage. Kind of. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I feel like that some of that may have been the instincts of the directors because they're used to doing that in documentaries. But I think that ultimately it was a, a negative in this movie. Now I'm like, do we go back to talking about May, December? I guess to, to like bring in another thing about truth and like, is there a simple truth? This May, December now propped up by our, our side conversation about Nyad, I think um, reminded me a lot of anatomy of a fall yeah. because I feel like it's doing a very similar thing of sort of showing there is no simple narrative that we can reconstruct or like yeah. construct or we can, yeah, like the, there there's, and that and that every every subjective telling has a different take right and so i mean in may december it's like people in denial and lying to themselves versus like i guess people selfishly manipulating others for their own their own gain or like um but in anatomy fall i think it's a very similar thing where it's like there's no central truth that we can try to find it's Mm -hmm. all constructed right um Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I thought those the, the two films were very very good pairing because they because they could not be more different in terms of tone and style. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I mean, Anatomy of Fall, we're we're obviously concerned with like what happened in, in, a, in a you know what was this a murder was this a suit whatever. Um, whereas here, what I think is interesting about May December is this idea of like the the lurid part t- took place a long time ago, and it was and. And that's where the story, the tabloid version of the story is, is just like knowing the gory details. It's a pet store, (laughs) right? Like knowing their ages, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, but what, what time, what like years, um, you know, considering these people over years does is it, it it necessarily complicates things. Right. And, 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 and invited us to ask like really interesting questions like, what what is Joe like as a father, right? Like you have that scene with him and his son on the roof where like he's smoking, like Joe, the father is like getting his first joint from his son. And and um, and like, the, and the son is kind of shocked by it, but we're not because we've seen Joe and Gracie. And like, I think earlier Gracie like was chiding him for how many beers he was having. He's like, that's, that's your second one or something like that. Like very, very early in the movie. So you get a sense that she's sort of kept, 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 you know, him under control. Um, and, 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 you know, the, the scene that I read earlier about like where, where she, the, um, the poem that he'd written her when he was in seventh grade. Right. Um, 
I mean, it's so funny. It's one of the funniest moments um, in, in this movie. Because it's so right? clearly written by a seventh grader. It's so clearly written by a seventh grader. <laughs> and the way that she presents it even to Elizabeth, it's like, it's the, it's it's kind of maternal. Like, like you, you'd think it's maternal, right? Like, it's like- right. she's I'm, proud of it. Yeah, yeah my, my son wrote that. But then when you realize it was your lover when you were 36 years old, and this is what, like, wooed you, it's just sort of, it's like gross. But then, um, but then again, considering, like, what their dynamic has been like since then, how they've sort of settled into their routines. And then the fact that their children, um, you know, clearly like they hate her, <laughs> like they, they have such an antipathy toward Gracie. And, um, and as, as for Joe, you know, I, I feel like there's a, there's a degree of sympathy, but there's like, he clearly loves his, his, his kids. Um, but his kids, I don't know. You, I, I, I sense like a like some pity um, uh, that they have toward their father. But like what that what that looks like, how that how that I don't know how that develops yeah. over time is is just a fascinating is just a fascinating question. And I um, and I give you know Charles Melton is an actor I didn't I didn't know very well. Um, uh, and I think he was just maybe famous for just like being incredibly good looking. <laughs> so he like fits he fits like the role very well. Like he looks the part. Um, Critics keep but, calling him the Riverdale guy because I guess his big yeah, role before this was being sure. a Riverdale. Yeah, so which is a CW show. In case people don't know, which I have not seen, but you know, I, I yeah. know people who enjoy that show. Of course, he played Reggie Mantle on Riverdale, as we okay. all know. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, was I, I know I'm skipping around a little bit, but I mean, he's the one who's been who's who's won a couple of critics, um, like what, a couple of awards already, right? Um, you yeah, know, he with, won with the Gotham's. Was yeah, the Gotham yeah, award. Yeah, and then he's been then, not the ones we mentioned in the movie news segment in this episode. I think he uh, also did, been he win, not. did. He win New York Films Critic. Is that did he win? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He won both. Yeah, yeah. I knew I was forgetting yeah. another New York award. So, I, so I am curious what. Um, I mean, I think Jen. I, I sense Natalie Portman was your favorite of the of the three central performances. Yeah, I mean, I just appreciated what she was. Do- I feel like she's her what she's doing is being underappreciated relative to the other two potentially because yeah. it is kind of more complicated and has more layers to it. Um, but, um, but I mean, it's hard because I think Charles Melton is amazing. He's so yeah. good, and whatever awards he's about to get or has gotten and about to get, he absolutely deserves them a hundred percent. And actually, that roof scene that you mentioned. I think is maybe my favorite moment. It, it, like it's such an important moment in the movie. Maybe my favorite. Like, cause he has that line, amazing line where he's like, I can't tell if we're connecting or if I'm creating a bad memory for you in real time <laughs> while he's sobbing like he, and high, like he's like, it's, like, it's so good. Um, and I think the, the movie overall, and this is largely because of his performance, he's so convincing as someone who is like, had to lead a life as an adult but is still a child right like mm-hmm. and i don't know how you do that like a part of it was the is like i feel like he acted like a dad but then he has these moments every once in a while where like oh you were a child who was never allowed to really grow up because you had like or you had you both had to grow up too fast and never were allowed to actually grow up because you've yeah. always been with gracie and so like yeah i don't know and like and they even give him like a dad potbelly yeah um which I thought I, I was uh, like that's a really good detail because I feel like he 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 moves around like he's a dad, but at the same time he's Charles Melton, so he's like you know, yeah. like very much not not like they had to, he probably had to prepare a lot for his dad bod right like actively yeah I, re- I saw an article he had, to, he had to gain twenty pounds for the for the role <laughs> right 
Um, Instead of hitting the weight room, he hit Ben and Jerry's. Like he just <laughs> made sure to put. But pop- I think the magic of that rooftop scene is that you can picture them. They're obviously interacting as father and son, and that's yeah, yeah it's very touching. But you can also see them as peers. Sure, because they're not mm-hmm. that much far apart in age, and it's really bizarre, right? Um, but yeah, PT, you were going to say something, I think. Oh no, I mean, I was just going to say, uh, if, if I, I think we've sort of sneakily, Antonio has uh, backdoored us into who was our favorite performance yeah. <laughs> in the movie. I do think my answer is Natalie Portman because I think that, like, it's obviously kind of the center of the movie, and I think that she is operating on so many layers and levels and in some ways is sort of, I don't know if she's really making fun of herself. I just feel like she's known for sometimes making these like bold choices or sort of being like, mm-hmm. this is my Jackie Kennedy. Like, this is how I'm going to portray this deal with it. And like, we're, we're doing it. And, uh, and so, you know, that sort of like, I'm working on this craft, but then how good is she at it? Sometimes it's impeccable. All that I think is really good, but the movie doesn't work if Charles Melton isn't as good as he is. And, I mean, obviously, on some level, the movie doesn't work without all three of them, because I think Julianne Moore also, like, the way, like, she has, I don't want to say it's the easiest role, but it's probably, like, you know, the the most sort of, like, right in her wheelhouse of just sort of, like, it's a little campy, she can kind of overplay it a little bit, but that's also what the actor the character is doing so you know she can she can go like the whatever she starts to feel like there's a threat in some way she goes into baby voice and the lisp gets turned up from like a (laughs) two to a ten and like it's great like i love all of that it's very subtle and she's she like really nails some of those little digs that she gets in on the her family uh and then when she starts targeting natalie portman with them as well just shiv between the ribs it's so good like she's great at it and uh, you kind of need all three of them. It's, you know, obviously the movies are very different, but it's a lot like the holdovers where it is this three person engine mm. kind of churning mm. in the center of the story. And you need all of them working at the, at the peak of their game for the, for the movie to be as successful, the both movies to be as successful as they are. Um, my favorite performance was Julianne Moore, actually. Um, I, I, I mean, I, again, I love Natalie Portman. Um, uh, I've always loved Natalie Portman. I and and Charles Melton is a revelation in the movie. So, um, but um, Julianne Moore is an actress who I've always loved. Like from like, uh, and I wish that her Oscars had been for like Boogie Nights and Far From Heaven and not from Still Alice. Um, mm. But um, to me, I agree with PT. Right, like like the 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 big scenes, like the crying scene with the cake. That is that is definitely like in her wheelhouse. That's 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 one of the campier moments in the in the movie but but for me that the, that's balanced with these sort of flashes of cunning in between the histrionics and the doe-eyed obliviousness um and the fact that she's constantly the, the way that she just looks at natalie portman just like the the um that she has to maintain the sort of facade of like i'm i'm just this innocent woman who you know um you know joe had more lovers than I did when we first met because he had two girlfriends when he was in seventh grade, you know, that she can say that with just like a straight face and like that maybe you believe that she believes that, but then she has these other moments when she's just cutting, cutting Elizabeth down. And um, that, that um, I don't know that, that, that I found to be really fascinating. So, um, but yeah, all three great. So um, all right, great. Um <laughs> what, Wait, what about so, the killer so, guys? The so killer, yeah. right. Are we still need to talk about that? Are we, are we done with Nyad? I guess that was the one who was supposed to be 
next. Can we talk about jellyfish like for a minute? Oh yeah, let's talk about jellyfish. Um, like this is the craziest thing, and and honestly, the how crazy was this endeavor was honestly what kept me watching, even yeah. though I was like was kind of bothered by a lot of other things in the movie. Sure. Just the pure like like how nuts an endeavor this was. And I think the film actually did do a pretty good job of showing that, right? Like where, and like the fact that she had to have a jellyfish expert, like sign onto her team. And then the jellyfish experts, like you get stung one more time, you're going to die. (laughs) But also I mean, in reading, there is a long, and I I mean, I put it in the, in the, in the document. I don't know if it needs to necessarily go in the show notes, Um, but it's from, it's from defector, which is the website. Uh, by the people who used to write for Deadspin when Deadspin was an active website and not just some venture capital owned content farm posting AI articles. Um, So, and it's this really in-depth, there's a guy who's out there in the world who is also a marathon swimmer who is friends with other marathon swimmers that are, are Diana Nyad's contemporaries who has like made it his mission in life to be like Diana Nyad is a liar and I'm going to expose her lies and is like just her nemesis. And it's a long article. It's kind of about him. Where's that movie? That, well, that look, movie. Look, that's what I'm saying, but that's, this is the movie that Diana Nyad wanted to make. So like we got that movie, but one of the, in that article, when they talk about, like, and you know, the whole sport just sounds crazy. But one of the things where it's just sort of like, well, this wasn't even like, you know, are we sure this is unassisted? She was wearing a special wetsuit. Like the special jellyfish protection wetsuit is one of the reasons why it's not an official confirmed swim from Cuba oh. to Florida. So then it's sort of like, that that makes her sound better than you. Like, what yeah. are we talking about? But they also say that apparently like, she was like touched a couple of times during it, which is not shown. And the people who are the independent uh observers were on her payroll so like there was no kind of whatever right there's no one from whose the organization sole job was to testify right. that this was a real thing yeah exactly. it was not um, had to not have a conflict of interest yeah I, I will say that watching watching all of that and watching the sort of you know the, the jellyfish attack and then she has the weird kind of like bag over her head and then she needs to get the like terrifying mask that's a great halloween costume if anyone wants uh, <laughs> wants to go that route is the the wetsuit with the weird jellyfish protection mask uh that uh like what all of that it, it made me feel like watching a movie uh, as someone who doesn't like sports like blanket doesn't like sports um which you know i'll watch like a sports movie sometimes with jasmine and she'll just be like i don't know why anyone cares about this like who cares <laughs> like oh well so what if they don't win like it's just a game and it's just <laughs> like no but you care that like they're trying to win the championship and it's just like okay but like so what and like i was really kind of feeling that where it's just like who cares if you swim to florida like who cares <laughs> like why like this looks awful and everything seems terrible you know, at least when you climb a mountain, it's like, well, no one's been up there. It's like, everyone's done this. Just get a boat. Like, you can do it. Like, why are we doing it swimming? Like, what's the point? <laughs> Which is not the takeaway you should have. But uh, but yeah, it was it was wild. It was wild, all the things that she went through to do this thing. I guess because her dad mentioned it once is sort of the implication. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, her last name is not of, even Nias. Sort of like how either. this is only this is slightly tangential, but the the way in which you were saying, which I, I totally agree with, that the movie does that May December doesn't work without Charles Melton's performance being as good as it is. Mm-hmm. I would say that Nyad does not work at all. Like, and I know, like, I've been critical of it, but like, this the movie does not work at all 
if Jodie Foster is not not good, right? Yes. Or if, if Jodie yeah. Foster is not playing that part, right? Um, because like every time she's like about to ramp up to tell the story of the of the yeah. of Nyad and why her dad and like told her that she she was the one and mythological whatever whatever, right? I, there's at least once where Jodie Foster's like okay and like sits her back down. <laughs> <laughs> or like stops her from telling the story again and like those are my that it doesn't work unless you have that other character to kind of like temper her insanity um i actually want to give a shout out to and i can't remember the actor's name the the navigator he was oh great. yeah he's very good um and like the the way he's talking about the course and the winds and the, the tide and all this i was i was locked in i was like it's it, where's it, his it's, movie where he's just navigating and charting it's reese evans Oh, okay. Why do yeah. I know him? Like, I know him from other things. Uh, he was in Notting Hill. Uh, yeah. He was the lizard in the oh, yeah. Andrew Garfield Spider-Man Uh-oh. movies. Okay, yeah. 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 Uh, and he's one of the uh, guys in House of the Dragon. Okay, the yeah. Game of Thrones oh, show. yeah. He's a okay. guy. Yeah. He's, he's around. He's been around. Yeah. But yeah, I he's thought... very good. And another, another sympathetic, sane character needed to sort of ground naiad um and um so yeah i i agree all, all of those supporting performances um i think were essential were essential to to sort of tempering that yeah yeah i also will say that like the shark technology the anti-shark yeah. technology that they used really like i was i was actually like in suspense about that <laughs> the scene where it like breaks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh no they're gonna get back in time otherwise they're gonna be sharks um <laughs> so it's not like i you know it's not like I, I had a terrible time watching this movie i just you know there were certain things about it that bothered me but um, of course all right should we move on to the killer yeah let's do it yeah okay so do you feel like there are gonna be a lot of people who watch this movie and don't get it yes can we can we just like explain how we think we get it I mean, in a way, I think it, it, the it, it ties in well with May December. I, I won't try to include Naya because that would be unfair. But in the same way that it was like May December unlocks when you're like, oh, like Natalie Portman's not going to get like Natalie Portman's character is not going to get a good performance out of this research. This is not going to result in an Academy Award winning movie in the world within the world of the of the the fictional uh, the fictional of May December. Uh, similarly. This guy's not a good assassin. He's not a good hitman. Uh, and he pumps himself up with all of these sort of thoughts about how great he is. But we, like most of the time he's screwing something up and uh, and then trying to correct it. He's not always, but frequently is, is screwing things up. And there's a lot of, you know, sort of him scrambling to to fix the mistakes that he makes. And I think that part of the reason that there's a disconnect and maybe people are finding it boring is that they, they think that we should take at face value, all of the things he's saying to himself about himself, about Mm. his place in society. And if there's no deeper thing to that, if there's no sort of like this guy's full of it, then that's pretty boring to listen to for 20 minutes while he's preparing to take a shot with a sniper rifle that he ultimately misses. Like it's, you know, I think if you don't get on again, like wavelength, if you don't get onto like, oh, okay, this is a critique of how good this guy can be and the system that exists around him, uh, which we can discuss what maybe the system uh, is, is entails and what it relates to. 
Um, some people say it's a, it's a critique of the gig economy, um, but that it's, you know, all of that stuff. Um, I told you that yesterday. I, well, you're right. Um, you're not wrong. You're, you are. <laughs> okay. That's I mean, Jen, congratulations. You're, you're, you're some people. Um, <laughs> but yes, um, I, I, I thought that was true, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to say that without, uh, confirming. I, I mostly called you out because I wanted to play the music again and that will be As the last time I play it. I promise. I don't, I mean, I, I think you shouldn't, I think you should break that promise, play it again and then play it on yourself for breaking the promise. Okay. Uh, anyway, yeah. So I think if you don't buy into that, you're not going to like it. It's that's why it's boring is because it's all the, the, the miscues and the, the disconnect between his monologue and his reality are what make the movie interesting and the moments of action and you know, like frenetic movement uh, within the, within the, the picture are few and far between. If you aren't interested in that dynamic, there's, there's like the escape chase when he screws up the first assassination, there's the fight in the house and that's kind of it in terms of action. Yeah. But those action scenes are incredible. <laughs> they are. Agree. They are. they are so well done uh, and so thrilling. And, um, you know, I, I for my mom, she like she'd love a movie of just that, <laughs> of just scenes like that. Um, but d- d- but have I, you interviewed a, a man named John Wick? Yeah, yeah, no, she likes those movies a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, I, I've, I on the other hand, have not seen any of them. <laughs> but, um, but um, you know, I, I, I like. I, we when we were talking about it before, I, I, I did want to make clear that there, that there's, there's the the action scenes that that do exist in the film are. Um, are very well done. And, um, and I alluded to the scene with like the, the Tilda Swinton, like, so the way that the movie is, is sort of structured, it's kind of inevitable what's going to happen, right? Like it's, there's a, there's a quest that he that he sets out on. Right. And, um, and, and as soon as we start seeing like the, where he is and what's happening and like, and, and, um, and the, the screw up of the first thing, we sort of know where the movie has to end. There's a, there's an end point that's going to be whatever the, um, so, but so the one moment that felt like unpredictable was this was this scene between two assassins, which I thought was just sort of incredible. And I could have I could have seen an extended version of that. That was the opposite of boring to me. Them, her ordering more food, <laughs> you know, and just like sitting here having their last meal or whatever to have that conversation to me is the opposite of boring. Right. Like to me, that's that's even more thrilling than the action scenes and more more um, more worthy of our attention, I think, than than even those. Um so I, I know that you agree with that scene, with that with that particular scene, and, and the assessment of that particular scene. But what uh, what else, Jen? What about you? About what what you thought of the what what the movie meant and and how it's playing with with the genre. So my letterbox review of this was irony is the key to unlocking and appreciating this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like yeah. it's sort of echoing what PT said. Like I think if you interpret the voiceover and the mantra of you know stick to the plan, anticipate don't react or whatever right um that he goes through over and over again if you interpret that as like he's just doing what he says then yes this is like what is the point of him telling us that if we can watch it right but i think the most interesting points in this movie are the places where it's very specifically edited so that the second he says you know empathy is weakness then he's doing something empathetic right or like right. that that he's he's snapping the neck of the woman so that her kids can collect insurance on her as opposed to like burying her somewhere unknown right um or that like he, he has a very detailed down to the second timeline of like when i staple this man's chest like he will his lungs will implode in this amount of time and then he just dies 
before he finishes the. <laughs> that actually, was probably my favorite part where I was like, "This is hilarious." Um, uh, you know, and, and and I have a slightly different take than PT in terms of what we're supposed to be getting out of that irony. For me, it was less about oh, isn't he terrible at his job, and it was more about he approaches his profession under a false uh, premise that he is able to control every element, right? And so, to me, this movie is about how much of the world and life and and our experience can we control, and how much of a sort of a farce trying to do so is, um, because it's, it's sort of like he has everything. He he's like well, and, and in a lot of ways, making this movie, if you're going to do a movie about that theme, making it about a hitman is almost the perfect sh- like vehicle for that because. We from our history of cinema of like assassin movies, like we always associate it with like high precision, right? And that like everything is calculated. Yeah. And actually, that's what sort of what I think drew me originally to this movie. And I watched this with John, and that that's like that's his that would that's his one of his favorite things is like watching something where it's like someone's like picking apart and it's like a puzzle box of like here's how they plan this down the second, how smart look how smart this character is, right? And I feel like you know that's that's it's sort of a bait and switch in that sense, right? <laughs> like we expect want that. But we, we're getting a, a much more, a more interesting, but less less kind of like glorified version of that. But it's like, yeah, as a hitman, you assume that as long as you plan everything down to the second and like have a backup plan and a backup plan for your backup plan, that you can control everything and orchestrate everything that you want, right? But then the movie constantly is showing us how that's that's a false idea, like that that's never achievable, really, and that there's always going to be something out of the control right there's no way to calculate if you staple a man in the chest how long he will live <laughs> because every person is and every human body is different right uh, yeah. um so so that was kind of my my takeaway um which is why i was sort of dissatisfied with the ending because the ending largely he wins like it's like he's and i don't i didn't know what the film what phil fincher wanted us to think about his victory like was it a sullied victory because he's like He's just going to continue tragically to feel like he can control every aspect of his life and he can't. Um, but it also, it sort of felt like a happy ending, right? He's, he's reunited with his partner and he, he took vengeance on what happened to her and like he did it. And I feel like that's kind of counter to me. That was sort of counter to all the things we've just been talking about. I agree. I mean, for, for a movie that sort of beats us on the head with the value of sort of like the professional value of detachment, what ultimately motivates our protagonist is this is the sort of most human of impulses, the most cinematic impulses, avenging like a wronged loved one. And for an unconventional sort of central character, for what drives him to be that sort of conventional to where to where he has this sort of ending. I mean, in, in, in as much as it's sort of like that that did upend my expectations, right? I my I assumed that he would get to the to the end. He get to whatever the 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 the, the boss, <laughs> the final boss is, <laughs> right? Like in a video game, and then he would ultimately die, right? And then that's that's how. It, and it's also David Fincher. <laughs> I was just like, that's probably how it's gonna it's gonna end in darkness. So the, the fact it, it it did it was surprising, but um, but also unsatisfying. I think for the reasons that you're talking about, I think Jen that that um that at the end, I wasn't quite sure what to make of um, like what the, what the sort of central message is. And that's why it's sort of like, I think that's why a lot of people sort of revert to thinking of it. Well, let's just not overthink it. Right. <laughs> like maybe it is just a genre film. Maybe it's like, it's just there for the thrills. I do think it's more than that. I agree with you. Um, but I, I also agree that like the, the ending is kind of um, was an interesting choice, but, um, but, but I didn't think elevated the movie or, or made me think about it anymore. I, I don't know if it, elevated but i did think of the ending 
differently. I didn't really think it was a happy ending because mm. I didn't think he was happy at the end. And I mm. think that like it was that it's two things. Well, it's that like, you know, he has his initial mindset of like empathy is weakness. Stick with the plan. I live on my own, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> he never attempts to reconcile that he has a house and a, and a girlfriend or wife that he loves. Like that's never, he never like says, Oh, I guess I have empathy for that. Or, Oh, I guess I do have an attachment there. Like whatever. Like that's, he just thinks he has this worldview and then, then he's attacked. Then the, the, the network he's working with turns on him or whatever, whatever that, that, that system is. Uh, and he has to go and sort of root out all these people and he wipe them all out. And so he sort of has to admit, or he has to sort of see, he doesn't say it, but he, ha- he there's no way around the fact that he's abandoned his credo. He's abandoned all those sort of mantras he was telling himself. Uh, and then he was like, but I'll get, you know, on some level he must be satisfied when he gets through, like you say, get to the final boss and, yeah. uh, and wipe them out. But he's not like content. Like he's not happy. He's like, yeah. he's got the eye twitch that like he never had when he was prepping for things. He never had it when he's on the job. And I don't know if that's, he needs to get back out to do the work because he loves doing the work. Or if it's that now he's stuck without any of that support system and whatever this is that he has at home that we've never really seen and beyond it in you know, angering him when it's threatened, uh, there's there's no sort of emotion or feeling. All this time we spent in his head, he's never been like, and I just love my downtime. I can't wait to just sip iced tea by the pool uh, where right. I live. So, right. so I, I didn't think he won. I didn't think he was happy. I thought that he was just stuck in this new reality where everything that he had sold himself in the past, he had to admit wasn't true. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Like in the earlier scenes, you almost get a sense that it's therapeutic for him. Like the, like that there's a reason they show him doing a lot of yoga. Cause I feel like to him, it's like meditative, like him, this constant process of like, setting all the stuff up and up and waiting and um, that there's sort of like a weird mindfulness to his, his profession. <laughs> um, not that I'm recommending people, people take on this profession. Um, but yeah, I can, no, I can, I think that helps that, that, and, and I, I guess maybe I didn't notice the eye twitch enough. Cause you're right. Like I re- like now that you say that, I remember seeing that, but yeah, I feel like it felt like, plot closure but not thematic closure to me mm. is maybe the the best way to put it um yeah. but to yeah, go back to say... the, the ch- oh, sorry. i wasn't bothered by his choice to not kill the guy and i actually think that that that's you mentioned you know we were joking about it um <laughs> of when you mentioned that like some people have this theory about the it being about the gig economy that actually is not my theory either but i'm just saying like i i have listened to podcasts and, and read a bunch about it and like, and then told you yesterday and, uh, and then you mentioned it. And that's why it was funny. And then um, I, I took it from you. And then you stole it. Great. I felt <laughs> great okay. about it. Um, but I feel like there's, there's this whole other movie Fincher wants to make. That's more like fight club. That's like anti-capitalist and sort of like, so, so, the, okay. So the theory is, and I heard it multiple places. I think the main one probably was, either big picture film cast like you know my usual rounds like more than one critic sort of like talked about it in this context of like the the prominence of um all of these automated services and and like am like their amazon boxes there's postmates right and that it's like the gig economy that he's a member of the gig economy or, or a contributor to it and that like that's what allows him to do his job right that because there's no human interaction and it's all these like 
these abstracted transactions that it, that can happen automatically and that because he has this line where he's like why why do i need to get past security when i can have po- when i have postmates right and so that's how he gets into the building at the end but I, and i feel like the ultimate choice for him when he recognizes oh because this guy is, is sort of like a jeff bezos sort of figure i i can't kill him because that's going to create too many problems for me and i recognize his privilege in this instance i don't like it but i recognize it i'm going to kind of abide by it and that to me is like the reason that if you're if you're following along with sort of the gig economy stuff in the movie that Mm -hmm. that's the ultimate payoff of that right to be like oh isn't it isn't it tragic that like capitalism makes it so that this is the one guy that survives (laughs) right um when arguably it's his fault that this all happened to begin with right um so yeah i i do i do want to sort of in in thinking of the three movies together and uh, to build up to to one point, but the you know the the issue of these being on Netflix and the issue of people just sort of scrolling around and just being like, I see a, a thumbnail and the the first like sentence or first two lines of a description, and it's like David Fincher and Mike you know directed movie Michael Fassbender's a hitman. You're like okay, like great, and you'll watch it like is it maybe this isn't going to be the what what people expect if they think it's going to be. Uh, again, a fight club, or even if it's going to be like a Zodiac where it's the sort of very like procedural and there is, it's kind of starts feeling like that, but it, it veers off in this different direction. Similarly, May, December is sort of like, it's Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore as an actress researching for a role. You're like, okay, sure. And I think that if you go not, don't know the backstory of what the role is and what Julianne Moore, the history of Julianne Moore's character, which mm-hmm. I think is in the full description, but you won't, might not see it when you're just kind of scrolling. Like that, re- when that reveals itself in the same way that the pacing of the killer and the monologue of the killer, I, I can see a lot, again, a lot of people tuning out after 20 minutes in a way that I don't think they would with Nyad because Nyad does what it says on the box. Um, but thinking all of that is to say that like, the, I, I hope that people do stick with the killer. And if they're listening at this point, they have um, because that last 15, 20 minutes when Tilda Swinton shows up is incredible. And uh, I just want to reiterate what both of you have said, elevates the movie, like Mm -hmm. where I was kind of like, this is maybe only okay. Like it's got some good moments, but like, I don't know. And then Tilda Swinton shows up and of course is throwing 96 on the, on the corners and just being like, bam, 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 like doing amazing stuff and creating a dynamic and a scene that is, I, I agree with Antonio is more exciting, is more thrilling than the thrilling chases and and fights, but I but you need to have gone all the way through the movie and presumably be on board uh, at least a little bit to have stayed that long to get there and to appreciate it. So I hope folks do push through. What? Why does that scene elevate the whole movie, or what role does that scene play in the larger film? Do you think? I mean, Tilda Swinton rocks. I don't know. I, don't I know, know but like. Play. Like, I mean, why is her character in the movie? Why is her character a part of this, like, fancy food club? Why is she ordering whiskey flights? Why does she have her own bottle? You know what I mean? Like, what's... Why so, is she there? So, uh, w- with regard to Michael F- Fassbender's character, you know, you're sort of... At the beginning, with his with his internal monologue and 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 the way that he's approaching his job, there's a kind of joylessness about it, right? Like it's the mm. sort of the, the tedium of his work, even when the work is sort of murdering people, right? And um and 
and Tilda Swinton shows up and and this is a person who is who absolutely loves her job, <laughs> who absolutely loves her life, right? And um and who's like who's chosen the same profession, but it hasn't eaten away at her at her intellect, right. at her ability to like enjoy life. Um, you know, you sense that like the people in that restaurant cater to her. They believe that she's a person of like refined taste. Um, and and you believe that she's a person of refined taste. She looks fantastic, right? And so um, you know, to see, to see two people in the same profession. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I always imagine like when I, in my head, when I imagine an assassin, it's probably closer to what Michael Fassbender is like, just someone who's just that, that sort of like focused, um, on the job and, and that's what it is. And, 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 and just like this sort of depravity and, and like just care, just not caring about it much. Right. Although we, we, we find out that he does care about, you know, about something very, very much. But he'd like to think that he doesn't. Exactly. Exactly. But Whereas, Tilda Swinton, you feel like she's she's an assassin who hasn't had to tell lies about herself um, or about what she does. That she's she's been able to live, I imagine, a kind of a rich life. She just has an unusual job that she's also very good at, <laughs> right? And then right. Uh, yeah, her version of this movie would not be ironic, right? Her voiceover right. would match would match because yeah. she doesn't have that kind of like deny self denial, <laughs> right? Yeah. Michael um, Fassbender has the wellness routine, but she has the work-life balance. There you she go. Does. I love she it. Does. <laughs> you should be leading the next like Hitman Anonymous, uh, or like <laughs> the next the next uh, HR uh, seminar for <laughs> the for next, anyway, the next annual training. Yeah. Now, now that Charles Parnell is out of the picture, someone has to be the HR uh, <laughs> head for this 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 entity. Uh, yeah, I, I also think that uh, I think that contrast is key. What Antonio was saying of like. You know, she puts the, the, she's the final piece that puts all the lies that Michael Fassbender tells himself to bed. Like, of just like, no, that's not the life that you have to lead. That's not how you need to do this job. Like, you could totally do it differently. And, and, you know, it's, he sort of sees it unclear how much he takes it in. But then there's also the gamesmanship of her trying to work the angles of how do I get out of this? Like, this person is here to kill me. I'm not even mad. Like I get it. I get why they're why why he's doing that. But like, I just need to like find how do I get an opening? How do I get an edge? And it's all dialogue. It's all conversation until you know again that the very sort of last moment when she she does the gambit of the slip on the on the ice uh, on on the on the steps. Uh, that's that's her move to try to get get him yeah. close to stab him. But that's great, and that's the the tension of that is really good. And I think there's, there's a lot of classic Fincher there of letting letting the dialogue and let these two great actors just sort of bounce yeah. off each other. It, that scene is almost a window into an entirely different movie. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. one on the one hand, it's a very, like, it, I think it's thrilling intense because it's like the spy versus spy kind of tension, right? Because yeah. of all the things that PC, PT just said. But I also feel like that scene is the closest we get to John Wick. And Antonio, you really got to watch those movies. They're great. Uh, Keanu right. Reeves. All right. Amazing. Um <laughs> But it, but the John Wick series, the universe of the John Wick has this sort of like, just because we're killers, we don't, that doesn't mean that we aren't civilized, right? Or that we don't get to enjoy the nicer, finer things in life or whatever, right? And I feel like she she could very easily have been like in the Continental. <laughs> Agreed. Um, but yeah. All right. So now we're going to talk about the Oscar prospects of these movies.
All right. So do any of these movies have Oscar prospects? If so, in which categories? Like, you know, I guess we can go from most most likely contender to least likely or jump around, whichever you want to do. I think May, December is the most likely contender. I think I could see it for supporting actor. I could see it for um, supporting actress, for actress and screenplay. I think Nyad is possible for actress and supporting actress. Killer in an ideal world, supporting actress for Tilda Swinton, but I don't I don't actually think the killer Aww. is a contender. But um, when we do our own award show, we can we can Oh yeah, I would love things. to do that. I would absolutely I have I have my list um of like what I would what I would nominate. So absolutely let's okay. do it. Yeah, we, PT yeah. was already push, uh, pushing that agenda, so we can definitely oh, we're, we're trying to figure out is it the takeys, the longies, what is the all of them sound bad. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. I don't know. Um, uh, the letters if it's ltr that looks like letter so the letters okay maybe 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 i don't know that would fit with we're writing professors right that's like, true that makes sense yeah. we'll workshop it another time um but yeah i so so the ones you listed for may december antonio that's all that's actually quite a lot so i, don't, I know I don't, I don't think it's gonna get that much i just think if it are... gets all of that it has to be in best picture almost you know what i mean like yeah, I, I, yeah. I think it could it could get into best picture even without those if like jen was saying earlier now that it's out and it's getting more i think more of a positive reaction than yeah. people expected yeah. when it was at at con and at other festivals that's not how you say mm-hmm. can. I don't know. Uh, I never, I never, I always get scared about how to pronounce. I always say uh, can because other people say can. Oh, also a thing I learned. This is totally irrelevant. I'm sorry. It's not <laughs> Divine Joy Randolph. It's Davine. Like that. We've oh. been pronouncing it incorrectly. Oh. Okay. It's not like divine, like the word divine. It's yeah. So Dave. we get it. Okay. Get on okay. that. Noted. Yeah, wait, no, that's that's good to know. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I I, I think that it, it's possible this has some more momentum. I feel like there's just a lot of like like we were saying earlier. There's a lot of good movies that are out there, and I think the for the top half of Best Picture is pretty locked in. But there are like ten or eleven for that those last five spots. Yeah, and this could very easily be one of those movies yeah. if it gets if it gets on. I do think. I do think it's possible if it does start to gain more recognition, it's going to hit the backlash of, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, normies, um, turning it on and just being like, what is happening? Like, what is going on in this movie? Uh, but, you know, I, I could see it there. I think it's right. I think that right now, Best Supporting Actor is the most, I, I think, sorry, I think original screenplay is its most lock. Like, I think it's, it's there for that. I, I would be very surprised if it didn't get that. I think supporting actor is close to a lock. That's a lot of people. The screenwriter, this is their, sorry, the screenwriter, Sammy Birch, this is her first screenplay. Yeah. Oh, wow. She was a casting casting director before this. Oh, interesting. So amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I'm very clear that she's worked with a lot of actors that are like this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Incredible. And and also, you know, gets to, I I don't know to what degree Todd Field works. Doesn't doesn't Todd Field usually write? Todd Haynes. Todd Haynes. Yeah, this is, this is not tar. Although I feel like tar. Oscars wise, Oscars wise, I feel like this might go the way of tar. Uh, oh no! That's oh, the worst uh, case no, scenario. No, that's the worst case for, scenario. For, right? that's, that's a bummer. For the first, his first five or six six movies, he was he did write as well. So I yeah. I do think of him as as having a hand as a writer the, director. Yeah, in, yeah. in the writing. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's incredible. I didn't realize this was her first uh, her first movie. So yeah, I mean, I think I think May December is is a player in 
in the way that these other two movies, you know, it's not as likely. I think they, you know, Nyad's got those acting possibilities. Uh, and, you know, maybe there's some outside weird rando, like uh, not even, I don't think, I think we get cinematography or anything like that, but maybe there's some below the line thing that it could try to do. But I, if we're, if we're looking, we're looking at these together because they're all on Netflix. Netflix you know, usually ends up choosing a couple of movies to really put their energies yeah. into. Presumably yeah. Maestro is going to be one of those. Cause that's, you know, getting, mo- that's got momentum. That's got people yeah. who are in favor of it. I feel like May, December would be their second place movie over these two over Rustin, which is, but, you know, we didn't include in this. But that's another misgave, one that's out. You know, they've misjudged what's going to get them awards in the past. Like just remember last year, all quiet on the Western front, they had no clue. Yeah. They were not they were not plugging that movie at all as an awards contender. And then all of a sudden when they're like, wait a minute, people like this movie? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, yes, of course. We planned this for an Oscars campaign the whole time. Right. Um, and then it won a bunch of stuff. So could shift at any point in the season in terms of what they throw their way. But I do think, you know, people are very positive about Maestro. It hasn't come out yet. Usually that means that they know they've got something good when they're wait kind of waiting and waiting for that that optimal winter release, right? Um to time it perfectly before Oscar nomination. So, and like the Brahel, now that Bradley Cooper's out there and, and, you know, like doing his thing, right. People, you know, I, I feel like, you know, Maestro, you're right. Maestro could be the thing that gets in the way of May, December really having a big impact, but you never know. I think, so here's my thing. I think I like the screenplay idea. I think there's space in there. I do think the acting categories are going to be rough. I think, Charles Melton, just because of how strong he's been so far this season, gets in. I'm much less confident about Natalie Portman and Julia Moore. Just because, think about Best Actress. Best Actress is a slugfest this year. Yeah. Like, because we got we got Lily Gladstone, Carrie Mulligan. I don't even know if Annette Benning makes it in at this point, right? And then, you know, and, and, <laughs> Emma, and Stone. Emma Stone, right? There's a lot of heavy hitters that are already kind of like firmly ensconced yeah. in the category. And so it's just going to come down to that fifth spot who gets that fifth spot, right? I would love to see it. I think that I think if all three of them, because it is such a three-hander of a movie, I think that would be great. But I feel like it, you know, if I were if I were being more conservative, I would say screenplay, screenplay, Melton, and then maybe Best Picture. I feel like it could have mm. like a, it could be like the women talking of this year, where it just squeaks and it confusingly squeaks into Best Picture. <laughs> Right, everyone runs it off by like mid January, yeah. and then suddenly yeah. it's there. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, but I think you know, no one would be or again, depending on who gets left out. It's like, well, Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore getting nominated would be great. Either one of them, or or both of them, would be like they were they were really good in this. Uh, and you know, I would I would be in favor. Again, I haven't made my list. The I should do it like Antonio does and just keep updating it. But like in my mind, I'm like, of course, I would put Jodie Foster for in, as one of the best supporting actress nominations in my world because I thought she was incredible. Uh, and Annette Bening is great. We've we we have on our agenda talking about Annette Bening, like a little. If Glenn Close had won, uh, you know, when what was it for the wife? Uh, or, or instead of yeah, for the instead of uh, Olivia Coleman, if Glenn Close had won, we would be talking about Ned Benning as the like person who keeps getting nominated and not winning. But Glenn Close still has that title, so <laughs> we talk about Glenn Close. But yeah, Annette I know. Benning, is this now or never, or is she is she ever going to get an yeah. Oscar? What's what's going on? It's not now or never, but you, you know, yeah, 
you know, she she's been nominated recently. Like Kids Are All Right. Like she, mm-hmm. it's, it's just. Um, and then there was that other movie that she did with Greta Gerwig. Um, what, um, I forgot the name of it. That was that was also really excellent. Greta Gerwig was acting in it. She wasn't. She didn't direct it. But Twentieth um, Century Women. She was excellent in that. Yes, but um, not nominated for it. Which is yeah, not nominated insane. for it. But but, but she absolutely should have been. But but she's getting roles, right? Like she's 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 you know, like a lot of actresses complain that that like Meryl Streep gets all the roles. But but Annette Bening gets a lot of these roles too, right? So I feel like we have they'll they'll there's a, I don't think that this is her Oscar. I, she might get a nomination, but this isn't where she's going to win. Um, but I I I think I hope that there's going to be a role somewhere down the line um, for her because I I do think she's one of our best screen actresses. I, I will say, while Meryl Streep is not stealing her roles, Meryl Streep stole her nomination for 20th Century Women because that's when Meryl Streep was nominated for Florence Foster Jenkins. Oh, which, yeah. That's... No one no one was excited about that nomination. No, and I love Annette Bening was the person was... who should have gotten in, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair, yeah. A big question I had about May, December was how academy-friendly is it? Because we've already talked about, in general, like, you know, considering the, the nature of the story and the content, and then also the tone, how it's really melodramatic. Like, is the Academy going to go for it? Or are they going to think it's too weird? I think that actors like actors, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's the Academy is mostly made up of actors. And the fact that it that it that it's playing with acting in this way, they're going to love. They're going to eat it up. Um, and I think that there's enough respect for Todd Haynes as a director and as a um, and he's not writing this, but I think writers will respect him from from his, just his body of work where I think that there could be um, enough broad support for the, for the film to where, to where I think it could be fairly Academy friendly. I I think the bigger issue, if there is an issue, Mm -hmm. isn't that it's weird because like the ways in which it's weird, the Academy would respond to. I think it's because it is ultimately kind of critical of acting and movie making and storytelling in a way that maybe they'll be like, I don't like this. I, I do like acting and I don't like what you're saying, but I think it's much more likely that they would see people they know, even if like, well, I'm not like that, but I totally know actors that do that. And I know, you know, how like all this sort of happens, blah, blah, blah. So I don't think it'll be a turnoff. I do not look forward to the discourse. If this becomes, you know, gets any sort of momentum for it's going to win awards of like movie that celebrates pedophilia is you know dominating hollywood hollywood loves it um so i don't look forward to that if it happens but uh, but i think that you know that's not going to stop you know they'd be more likely to dig in and be like well we will nominate it uh or i will vote for it in the in the steps of the process my theory right now is that wouldn't it be the most actory thing for them to vote for this movie because they're like see we get it we like as like a humbling kind of thing like like we understand like aren't we so narcissistic we actors right <laughs> like wouldn't that be like the be- it, it's it kind of has the feel of the you know back in the day less so now but back in the day movies about hollywood were always really popular with the, Os- the oscars i feel like this is a similar mm-hmm. thing where it's like if since it's about even if it's critical the vote for it would sort of be like a virtue signaling of like yeah. we understand what some of the problems with acting are Agreed. Yeah. Uh, do either of you think the killer has anything? Nope. <laughs> I don't think so. I, you know, back when we were doing our, I can't remember now. Was it Thanksgiving episode where we talked about this? Um, 
because we did we did mention it in the Thanksgiving episode, but yeah, I can't remember if we talked about Oscars prospects. I I feel like there was a time when it first came out that it could have gotten like one a, a craft of some kind, like maybe like a sound. I nomination. think score. I think score has a possibility because it's it's oh, yeah. uh, Reznor and Ross. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but, but I don't know if. I don't know if anyone's talking about it. Like, I don't know if it has a lot of thing. It's faded so much from the conversation that I feel like unless something else happens and it comes back. I I also think think their Ninja Turtles score was better. So I would rather they get nominated for that because it was the same guys did that movie. Yeah. They usually get nominated for something. I mean, they're great. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I feel like May, December is really teetering. Like it could it could either blow up in the next few weeks or could sort of fade into obscurity. It depends. I really it depends wanted... which of these smaller movies fights it out for the one, of the yeah. one or two spots in Best Picture. I really wanted to continue my anti-maestro talk by predicting that May-December would be more successful at the Oscars than Maestro, but I feel like the the talk has shifted so positively towards Maestro. I, I, I can't. I mean, I can't we haven't seen Maestro yet, but based on the trailers, I feel like May-December is kind of gunning for Maestro. You know what I mean? Like, it, like those two movies in dialogue with each other. I feel like yeah, that's interesting. That's a good um, point. You could you could see one as a critique of the other. Uh, but again, that's having not seen it and only basing it on the trailers for Maestro. I actually heard Maestro is quite good. So yes, I want to be wrong. <laughs> I, I I will note, and this this affects Antonio more than Jen. It is out in theaters right now in Pasadena, uh, and and a few other places. Maestro is playing, which I didn't realize that it was playing now in the theaters because it comes to Netflix, what, the, the 20th? Something like that? I think so. It's close to Christmas. Right, right before Christmas. Yeah, I think I might see it. Um, maybe tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, All my grading There are done, too many movies. So. This is such, it's both Spoken. wonderful time of the year and a very stressful time of the year. Spoken like, like a man that doesn't movies. have a, spoken like a man that doesn't have a committee meeting at two o'clock on <laughs> Friday afternoon. <laughs> yep. Sounds great for you. Uh, All right. We're, we're starting to talk about work, which means that we should wrap it up. Um, Antonio, you're notoriously not on the grid. Jen, I, I, I know that you're tired of, of saying that about me. So I, I joined something. I, I asked my students, what should I, what should I do so that, so that Jen doesn't have to preface it always with this? So you can find me on OnlyFans. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can find me <laughs> letterboxed. I, 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 I now have a letterboxed, A. Elefano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some Join me because I have like two friends on it. <laughs> a. Elefano. I'm doing uh, it that, right now. Yeah, please, please do. I don't care if we're recording uh, an episode. I can do this. <laughs> uh, PT, what about you? Where can we find you? Uh, well, right now you could literally find me on Letterboxd following you. Um, because I got to make sure I do that. Uh, and I did, you know, I, I'm on Letterboxd, uh, PT McNiff, all, all one, uh, whatever phrase. Um, I don't use it enough, but I, I, I was thinking how I think starting on, uh, starting, uh, at New Year's, like I'm going to actually, instead of doing what I normally do, which is keep track of all the movies I watch in a note file on my, you know, my, on my phone. Um, that links to my computer um, that I will use letterbox. So that way, like I will have something more to say uh, when we come around to this part of uh, recording a show. And again, to reiterate, if you want to follow the, the show itself um, on Instagram and threads at the long take review, 
Uh, and you're welcome to send us an email if you'd like to communicate with us, not through the Meta Corporation. Email us, thelongtakereview at gmail.com is the address. You can find me at Subchakchai, S-O-P-C-H-O-C-K-C-H-A-I on Instagram and threads and Qui-Gon Jen on Letterboxd. I'm so happy Antonio has joined Letterboxd. This is great. I feel like this is the perfect, this is the, I, I don't know why I didn't think of this. This is the perfect social media engagement for you. Like this is, it's perfect. Yeah. Perfect fit. I will, I will note, apparently your four favorite movies are the last four movies you've seen. So it seems like you've a uh, real short term. He just joined. Give him some time. But it's just funny. The recent activity and the favorite movies are the same. <laughs> Yeah, because that's how it works when you said I, I engage with Letterboxd a lot more once I let go of the idea that reviews on there have to be like polished and refined because I yeah. like because most people the people who with the most popular reviews on Letterboxd are the ones who like make jokes about the movies it's a quip seen. yes yeah so it's like you could just write like and Greg's really good at this like just a quick one-liner about your movie and that or your experience and then send like it's yeah yeah um yeah, okay. I feel like it should be thought of less like your Substack, where you're like putting out a a considered right. review, which some people do do on Letterboxd, and yeah, those are great do. to read sometimes. But it's more like you're telling your friends, "Hey, I saw this movie. This is my like quick immediate yeah reaction to it." That's not a considered intellectual exercise. All right. Well, thank you both. I can't believe in the no- in the length of a normal episode, we managed to cover three movies. I was wondering how that was going to go. Uh, so thank you both. And we'll see everybody on Netflix. That's great. Netflix and chill. Thank you for listening. You can follow The Long Take on Substack at thelongtake.substack.com. Subscribe for free to receive reviews of films with Oscar buzz, as well as new films and series from pop franchises like Star Wars and Marvel.